Hello and welcome back to another episode of Spotlight, uh, the podcast where we examine the Star Trek universe from a non-Trekkie perspective. Um, I'm joined by my usual co-host, Paul Wilson. Uh, good afternoon. And Matt Brothers. Hey, how you doing? Uh, today we're also joined um, by a special guest, uh, Mr. Tom Savile. Hello, everybody. Uh, Tom, do you want to tell us a bit about uh, your kind of connections to Star Trek? This is something we usually do in every episode when we have a guest, is we talk to them about their Star Trek credentials. So, like, how much have you seen? Because, obviously, the idea of this show is that we, as the three co-hosts, were not Trekkies or big fans before we started this podcast. We all had different kind of levels of exposure. Mm. Matt famously hadn't seen mm-hmm. like, anything apart from the JJ films. And now no matter what, we've seen them all. Well, we've seen <laughs> yeah. all the movies. This is, this is the last oh. Star Trek movie existing currently that we're going to be covering today, Star Trek Beyond, but it's not the last episode of the podcast. We will be continuing and covering other aspects. These are the continuing this is if this is our five year mission we're one year in yeah exactly I already want a transfer to a vice admiral's job (laughs) yeah we are we are one year into the mission but Tom yeah how au fait are you with the Star Trek universe Right, well, I feel, you say Star Trek credentials, I feel like I have a badge that I'm able to flash at the moment because I've worked with... Shit, uh, that badge is impressive. Uh, yeah, look at that. <laughs> Whoa, Whoa it's Admiralty. Yeah, I've worked with uh, one of your previous guests, uh, Greg Glock, mm-hmm. who's a massive Trekkie. Two-time guest, yeah, Greg Glock. Two-time guest. <laughs> Um, on uh, on his fan film, uh, Star Trek Ambush, uh, which I have... Developed with him, I, I I shot the thing, so I was, I was a DP designer. I, I'm editing it, so uh, yeah, I'm, I I was fully and still am uh, immersed in this in this corn that corner of the Star Trek lore. An so ongoing project. It is yeah. an ongoing project. Uh, yeah, had a hell of a lot of fun filming it, but uh, yeah, yeah. So that that's so my there. that's my first. If anyone asks about Star Trek, yeah. that's the first thing that so, I can. So, I can so when you start with that, then Greg would have said, "What's your Star Trek credentials?" If you're going to be on he Amazon, did, so yeah. Guess. So now <laughs> this is yeah. So what were they? Corn- Let's wheel them out. Okay, so I I grew up uh, watching and really really enjoying after school. It would be all about Voyager. That's that's really the series. If we're, if we're just talking about the series at the moment, that's that's the thing that I've been sort of most immersed in. That was the gateway drug. Voyager. Um, yeah, but the thing is, my my dad had uh, a, a recorded VHS up up on his shelf uh, for the longest time that said that said uh, Star Trek All Good Things. And you put it in, and it was hardcore pornography. <laughs> <laughs> it was. It was. I thought no one would ever look there. <laughs> it was. It was all good things. <laughs> no, it was. It was. It was really cool because, like, I, I kind of he 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 pretty much taped the. You know, he's got good taste. He taped the best. Stuff and he knew that those yeah. that obviously anyone, anyone that's listening that's straight to uh, finale. Well, we straight to finale. It costs four ninety nine for a free pack of Memorex. <laughs> so you had to, you had to yeah. pick your tapes and what yeah. you're going to record the TV very carefully. And I was, yeah. you know, long play that shit as well. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah. I mean, he, he used to stick on um, the uh, Next Generation whenever it was on, and I'd, I'd come in and enjoy it. But again, I was I was more Voyager just because that was Voyager was just was on, you know. When right. I, yeah. Right. Uh, and. Um, I mean, I didn't until you know until I became adult and looked back at all of. I, I had no concept of like how how many seasons were there going to be and or how many seasons are there. Well, how many? Didn't how back many? Then, how many? Way. You know, how long is how long has this stuff been been going on for? So Voyage was on. I'd watch it. You know, same thing with you know. I was saying 
you know, to all of you before we recorded, I pretty much just grew up on things like the, the Jerry Anderson stuff, you know, yeah, basically, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, basically what basically what was on TV and also at, at the time, despite the fact that, you know, obviously being run again in colour, especially the kind of things like Thunderbirds, but like um, Voyager, Voyager was it for me. I, I, re- I, I really enjoyed the characters uh, in Voyager. I, I, you know, I was aware of all the other Star Trek stuff. I... And obviously, because it's kind of, it's a bit like the Daleks, really, even if you have never seen, uh, if you've never seen an episode of Doctor Who, you know what the Daleks yeah, are. Definitely. And you know Cultural what they yeah. And it, yeah, and to me, that was pretty much the same thing with, you know, characters like Kirk and Spock. I mean, yeah. you know, I'd, I'd never, you know, growing up, I'd never watched any of that stuff mm-hmm. yeah. but you know you know it's part of the part of the lexicon yeah. you know so much you pick up especially through stuff like the Simpsons and other big oh, yeah, like, 90s exactly. cultural things and yeah, uh, yeah. we said it before yeah. haven't we that cultural osmosis because mm. that was, that was yes. the same yeah. Yeah. just to say by and large nobody picks up the Simpsons from anything else yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah I learned I actually passed quite a few uh, quite a few tests at school by th- with things that I learned from the Simpsons yeah. <laughs> but um <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I gravitate towards Voyager just because, again, it was on. And um, I'll, I'll say I've, I've never seen a single episode of uh, Deep Space Nine, for example. Oh, you never? No, no. Wow. Not, not in the, no, not in the sense of, you know, actually understanding you know, what, what the entire Star Trek kind of had, had to mm. offer. Um, I, I followed a lot of the films you know, I, I really liked the, the crew uh, from Next Gen as well because I, again I would see various um, you know I'd see various episodes here and there but kind of you know my teens I'd end up I'd end up seeing the movies that would that would come out and, but you've seen um, all the movies as far as all of the Star Trek movies go I don't know if I've seen all of them. I've okay. seen Wrath of Khan quite a few times. Yeah. I don't know if I've seen. I can't remember if I've seen all of the the first film, the you know the motion picture. Um, I'm pretty sure I've seen all. Uh, I mean, along the way, Greg has actually uh, shown me you know the forced uh, you down, yeah. prized your yeah. eyes open, cockroach orange Sh- style. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is research. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I. Um, I was. I think it, I was the, the the perfect age to go see. I think I saw first first contact. I think I saw it in the cinema. I, I yeah, remember. Yeah. I remember seeing Insurrection in the cinema. Yeah, um, it must be strange though because you kind of like you were growing up on the Voyager crew, and it's then you would weirdly go and see in the yeah. cinema a crew that you weren't perhaps weren't familiar with. I'll, and I know this does. I know. I know that yeah, times have changed. But I'll, uh, I'll I'll put my hand up right now, and I am and have always been into Star Wars more than Star Trek. Yeah, no, same here. But that's just, but that's just kind of like you know, we're a progressive society now. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. They're not a war. We're a progressive podcast, yeah, like. <laughs> exactly. So we're so I um in a, in a way I kind of have the same interest um in in Star Trek as as I do Doctor Who. I like it a hell of a lot. There's some stuff about it that I love. Mm-hmm. There, but there's still kind of a lot that I haven't seen. Yes, because there is a big mine mm. of, of I, I'm guessing great, you know, great stuff. Probably some yeah. stuff that's not so great. I also just thinking like you know we're big Star Wars fans, but have you ever felt the compunction to watch all Star Wars that outside of those movies? Yeah, I th- have you seen Caravan of Courage? Yes. Oh, you have. So, so what? I've, se- I've seen the Holiday Special. I've, I've seen the Holiday Special. The Caravan of Courage is one of the Ewoks movies, right? Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then you got uh, Batman Door. But have you, did you watch the Droids uh, cartoons? Yep. Okay. <laughs> so what happens? Okay. Oh, What's wow. the Star Wars? Star Wars potentials. Okay. Okay. Clone yep. <laughs> Wars. This, this is way yep. more what I've seen. Rebels. Okay. Rebels. Yep. So literally every produced both Clone Wars um. versus the Jedi Tarkovsky and the yep. new oh. one. Yeah, Shadow yeah. the Empire on N sixty four. Yep. How do you rate the Ewoks movies? The Ewoks movies? (laughs) Where are they in the the canon? Well, 
above, above or below Phantom Menace. The question is, like, outside of the seven movies, what is the best yeah. Star Wars produced? What would you say is like if you if, yeah it's on screen yeah on screen stars was the best oh god I tell you what the um I mean I I'm a big fan of yeah Tarkovsky's like you know because yeah, Samurai yeah. Jack is is, is amazing Jack, oh, he's oh, a great amazing. he's a great visual storyteller yeah. I I loved um if you want to call it by its proper name Clone Wars you know those those um that half an hour to hour that, that of, of of 2D animation he produced but uh, yeah, I I have a I have a big love for the for the the 3D Clone Wars you know the 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 3D animated Clone Wars because it kind of series or the, film because it's, it's, it's a one to five the films uh, a bit crappy and then the series really good yeah yeah because yeah, I was going to I was going to say oh yeah at the seven produced films there's more than seven <laughs> 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 Come on, man. Um, but like uh, yeah um sorry no, this is a Star Trek podcast. This oh, of course, this is strange. Yeah, we can diverge. We, 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 we can one, diverge. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Some people did, um, but um, uh, yeah, no. It's, I'll segue back into uh, uh, Trek by, by by saying this, but yeah, it's it's interesting how like I mean, no franchise is going to be absolutely, especially one that's lasted so long, is going to be absolutely bulletproof. I mean, mm-hmm. I say that I am a Doctor Who fan, but like. There's, yeah, I, I'm a choosy Doctor Who fan. And actually, kind of the same way, I'm a Bond fan. I like there's stuff, there's there's films and stories that I absolutely love, and some I haven't touched for a while because it's generally considered naff. You know, like there's a lot, there's a lot of naffness here and there if you look for it. You know, um, if uh, my friends from the Prog to Who podcast are listening, I'm yeah. so sorry. Oh no, Bond. oh no, <laughs> I'm, talking, I'm talking about Bond, but no, I am talking about Doctor Who as well because the thing is, yeah, but those guys, yeah, but hey, hey, you guys, if you're listening, yeah, for the majority of it, I, I, you know, uh, both both hearts beat for Doctor yeah, Who. No, there is, there is, um, having seen Helen, there are uh, some. Not so. Because they are product. They are product of the times, and also great writers and directors yes. and actors yeah, yeah, yeah. come in and out. Mm-hmm. You know, and mm-hmm. you can you can see that when when that's it's happening. a playground for stories and people jump exactly. in and do their own thing. It's, when the franchise gets big enough, and it can be like there's yeah. just so much established yeah. lore, you get people coming in, new showrunners and stuff. Yeah, yeah. All these things are something where they haven't actually got any more. Even with mm. Star Wars, like one. A person with a vision it's kind of now a huge load of people and some people who for better or for better or worse yeah grew up fans and now are making it like you know like J.J. Abrams was a fan and is now directing directed Force Awakens I think anyone directing new Star Wars films these days was probably a fan growing up exposed to it in the same way anyone makes sense Um, but well done Tom for saking it back into Trek but before we actually go back into Star Trek Beyond Tom um, as you are our guest for today can you tell us a little bit about what you do because you do some work uh, kind of that's sort of related to kind of Star Trek world of um, not only have you done work on Ambush uh, Greg's fan film but you work in kind of the world of special effects which is obviously a huge part of Star Trek and stuff yeah and actually kind of a little bit, a little bit beyond that. I so I set up a film and TV production company with uh, a couple of other guys that, that I worked with on previous projects before. Uh, the company's called Treehouse Digital. Uh, we've been we've been going since 2010, but we haven't had a an actual premises uh, since. Uh, well, we're, well, we've we've been in our uh, our actual studio for the last. Two, two, two and three quarter years. I've been there, so, man. It's, it's yeah. genuinely impressive. So I, I feel very, very lucky because we're living the dream at the moment. We're we are uh, we are making 
not only our own films, but we're working on we're working on other sort of TV and film bits and pieces, a lot of ads. But you know, that's that's bread and butter to any production company, mm-hmm. really. Uh, so yeah, that's that's that is my full time job. I am uh, yeah, I am, and Flora. Did you say? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> we did we did a Domestos ad. No, yeah. so that's interesting because yeah, you see the you see the the crazy amount of work that goes into uh, building and flushing a toilet for <laughs> for, for five seconds. Of see time. behind the Domestos curtain. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's fun. But, yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, it's great. No, no day is is ever the same. And um, yeah, uh, we've uh, we in 2015 we completed a short film uh, called Litterbugs with um, with the help of the BFI and Creative England. And that at the moment that's been well, for the last couple of years it's been traveling the world. We've won quite a few awards in different, you know, different it's countries. Been literally traveling the world. Yeah, it has. It has. Yeah, yeah. So we, um, as while it's been doing the festival circuit, it's unfortunately, yeah, it's not allowed. Yeah, you know, we're not allowed to just kind of stick it online for everyone to see. Otherwise, it will not be. Uh, it will be rejected from a lot of the uh, a lot of the festivals that we've submitted it to. But um, yeah, we've uh, we've sold it to uh, two airlines actually, yeah, Virgin Atlantic and, and United Airlines. And it's you can if you're traveling, you can see it now. So yeah, I mean, so it's yeah. literally just showing on all Virgin Atlantic flights. Yeah, for the for the yeah, the idea was is that it would be part of the sort of summer I think summer entertainment package on you know on board. So so what do they run? They have like short films on there. Oh, they like, do. Yeah, they have yeah. they have loads of short films on there. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, that's amazing. How long is it going to be screening on those flights? Like, um, we don't actually know. I mean, we, we, we'll ch- we'll check. But um, the idea was it was it was kind of the summer package. So I think the um, the the contract we have with them runs out. I, th- I think sort of um, you know um, September October. So okay. so um, we'll see. But it may be going for the rest of the year. We'll we'll have a look. So you might still be able to catch it if you are yeah. hopping onto a Virgin Atlantic yeah. flight. We'll put something up online uh, about that because that's. That's really, really cool. Yeah, we get a link to Skyscanner to buy your tickets from Virgin Atlantic. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter where you go, just yeah, get on a plane. I go, you yeah. get on a plane. It's more expensive than BFI IMAX. How did that come about? Like, it seems to show a random thing, but how, did they approach you or? Uh, when we finished the film, um, because, of, because of the kind of the scale of, of, of the film that it is, um, what we. We basically we we sort of we handed it over to a, a kind of dist- uh, so basically a company that deals with distribution help yeah, kind of yeah. thing. So it means that we can instead of because I mean applying for um, for for all of these kind of festivals and to try and sell it to various places. I mean since since then it's also kind mm. of it's it's gone on to um, it's 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 gone to. Uh, NBC Universal in Italy, and uh, it's going to be, I think, shown as I think as part of a, a package of films in uh, in Japan, just just on on cinema screens. Anyway, what? so it's kind of like it's it's amazing. It's it's a it's a big wide world out there that, that is part, that is yeah. that is hungry for for content. You know, just you know, good content to to show, especially kind of family stuff. Mm. You know, it's it's difficult to find really good stuff that you know that the whole family can actually sit down yeah. and, and watch. Minimum twelve A. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. What would usually be a PG yeah. is a twelve yeah. these days. There's mm. so little in the PG mm. category uh, that you could do. Yeah. Yeah. Unless of course, unless it's a. Uh, I mean, what's what's dominating that. Industry though is three D animation, especially when yes. it, yeah for for family and Marvel as well. But just say just to say it's a, it's a live action short. It's not an animated short. Well, I would just say like just quickly, there's a little bit of a side note, but I do feel like 
there's no PG in the way they used to be. Like yeah. Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, for example. There's nothing yeah. in that category. That Ghostbusters, even. Yeah, that'd be twelve. Mm. Yeah. yeah, so it just needs to be a twelve. A, either, either three D animation, and then it's a skip to like your twelve mm. A material. I think these days well, that covers so much. That twelve A, like mm. anything from barely offensive to like bordering fifteen. Well, it's, we, yeah. it's a big we, umbrella. Yeah. We can thank the uh, the last scene. Um, in the very first Tobey Maguire Spider-Man, Spider-Man film yeah, we can yeah. thank that scene for the 12A and for the PG-13 you can thank Steven Spielberg Temple of Doom for like, Temple of uh, Doom yeah and Gremlins it was a combination of the two yes because like, yeah, yeah. Cause like they're thinking this is going to be good for everyone this film is fine for everyone but I you know we can't really be blamed if like you see some dark violent stuff and it's kind of it's okay but like some people some some uh, parents may have something to say about mm. it so let's put let's create this sort of it's a PG-13 it's a kind of like a if it it's a like leave the younger more kind of, you know leave the younger kids at home maybe but we'll leave it on your head but you know? that's the thing isn't it with Spider-Man yeah. that was the BBFC wanted to rate it as a 15 because that final fight is violent as fuck in yep. the original So You Were Spider-Man like, mm. and the studio just went oh well we're gonna because of course it's only actually advisory it's not the law yeah, and they yeah. were just like alright oh, well we're just gonna the council, local councils knew that was gonna be a big money maker so they were just like well we're just gonna do our mm. own certificate and they were BBFC was so it was frightened a big challenge yeah, yeah, we, yeah. We, we were so frightened about that being taken out of hands that they created the 12A specifically for that uh, but then it became they've admitted recently because at the time they put on there look this is a 12A but we would advise that no one below 8 years old kind of like goes mm. everything like mm. that and they've admitted recently that we made a mistake because we assumed that parents would actually take note of that but now literally you go to 12A and you'll have like literally like screaming toddlers in there everything like that because it's yeah it doesn't it doesn't matter everyone just yeah. ignores it completely and they just completely misjudged it um, I do think it's a real shame Definitely. Because I remember seeing um, Terminator 3, colon, Rise of the Machines. <laughs> so that's a tw- that was a 12A, and we all kind of, uh, we're all, yeah, we were all kind of like uh, downhearted because a Terminator mm. film should be an 18. Yeah. You know, yeah. Wonderful. But yeah, there's a, there's a scene in it where there's, there's a scene in it where um, Terminatrix uh, smashes her hand through the back of a uh, uh, back of a, a, a driver's um, seat in through the chest of a police officer and grabs the wheel and drives the police car through through his heart through his rib cage. Yeah. I'm watching it going. This twelve year olds are in the are in the audience with me and probably even younger guy. Okay, so this is okay then, is it? Cause see, <laughs> is this okay to do? See, see, yeah. Well, seeing that image, like, uh, you know, it's quite a lot of blood in it, and you, th- you kind of think oh, that's very strange. Yeah, but it's yeah. Kind of, well, it's R rated in America randomly. It's really strange kind of. Yeah, you yeah. just you just think, oh, where is where is the line now? But um, I, by the way, just, just to bring it back to Star Trek Beyond, I assume Star Trek Beyond is a twelve A. It is a twelve A. So we'll go. find out where the line is today in Star Trek Beyond <laughs> that we are going to finally talk about. Yeah. So a little quick synopsis. Uh, the USS Enterprise crew explores the furthest reaches of uncharted space where they encounter a new ruthless enemy who puts them and everything the Federation stands for to the test. As usual, incredibly vague IMDb plot yeah, description. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, <laughs> described Into Darkness. 
or could have described any of the other Star Trek films. Yeah. Yeah. Could have described Caravan of Courage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> blah, 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 blah. So, Threats. here we are, Star Trek Beyond. Um, usually, back we, in the day, we used to skip to Matt to kind of get his first impressions, uh, <laughs> as it would have been the first time he would have seen this. However, this time, we actually all watched this film together at the cinema after recording um, our Wrath of Karnak and, so, Search, of and Search of Spock in a yeah. double uh, bank. Yeah. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how our opinions have changed or not uh, since then. If seeing all the films in order, especially for you, Matt, mm. has kind of you know changed what we thought. Go on, Liam. What did you feel like? Because you you know this would be your second viewing of this. It so is you my second cinema, viewing. Yeah. What did it feel like for you? Um, it, it's one of those ones where. Uh, I mean, I, I kind of presumed, because really this experience has changed my opinions on a lot of the films uh, as I've gone through. Um, but with this one, I think although there is definitely stuff I did appreciate uh, slightly more um, this time round, I'd say the problems I had with the film remain as the same problems I did back then, which we'll obviously delve into more. So, as we go along. So, this film is the uh, first one to be directed by Justin Lin, taking over from J.J. Abrams. Uh, Justin Lin, most famous for kind of bringing the Fast and Furious franchise to the real four of the kind of mm-hmm. beat-off yeah. it's become today. He directed Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift right all the way through to Fast and Furious 6. Um, and as they went along, they kind of became more and more profitable um, as they they've kind of gone along more and more popular. That's quite well, a rise, isn't it? That's yeah, quite well, a good, like, spike in a... Well, let's start, like, yeah, put the cards on the table. You are a big Fast and Furious fan. You've I am a fan, yeah. You've seen all of them, Matt? Yeah, yeah. I, I, kind of, I kind of got into them when they kind of rebooted it all. I think we yeah. it was when Seven was coming out, and that was such a big deal because of the whole death of Paul Walker, and it was kind yeah. of this culmination of where the franchise gone. So me and Liam saw that together. Yeah. And so I, I think running up to us seeing Seven, I watched one to six. So you watched the, the, Justin, like a week. Yeah. the Justin Lin back catalogue. My experience with Justin Lin was the um, episode of... Is that one with the school? Community. Oh, community. Yeah. When he directed this paintball episode, oh, yeah. which was like, the, it was really referential him, to yeah. loads of like, um, like Die Hard and, and various like Leaf Weapon and basically any kind of like shoot 'em up. Mm. And I thought that like, it had a good balance of like fun, but also kind of it was so, it made sense in that world. And he shot the action like better than any TV show I can mm. think of. That's why that was so mm. good action-wise. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, yeah I, saw, I saw that community. I, I love community. Um, but yeah, that's... I didn't know that was him. Well, it's a weird one because basically, Justin, there's a couple of paintball episodes like that. It became a tradition that they did paintball Mm. episodes like that. Yeah. And the first one is Justin Lin and the second one was the Russo brothers. Uh, uh, who went on to direct like Captain America Civil War and now Avengers Infinity. So you just cut your teeth on, on uh, you know community episodes. Yeah, and that's basically how you test it now. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that, I, that oh, just on the basis of that, I was kind of happy about the appointment having not seen any of the Fast and Furious films. So I was like, yeah, no, I think it's good bit of injection of action. Like uh, you know, uh, it needs to come to be good, you know, bring something new to it. Mm, he's I did got a real kinetic energy to his directing style in yeah. terms of but, but, but funny enough though I would say he actually slowed things down visually for Beyond compared to Abrams right yeah I think I think Indian Arts is a bit more flashy than Beyond yeah. so I think Beyond almost seems a bit like stately compared to like mm. that I was expecting him to go more fur with it particularly based on right. that first teaser which was not very well received where it was the Beastie Boys on the soundtrack again yes people thought it was like oh motor- motorbikes and that kind of thing so 
it didn't seem very Star Trek, and they quickly rushed out another trailer, which was a bit more kind of traditional. It's when they hear the piano instead. Yeah, the yeah, beginning. Yeah. Yeah. The marketing mm. in general with the uh, <laughs> recreation of the original motion picture poster and a lot of the other artwork was very kind of like 60s inspired. Yeah, I love that poster with the color, the, the, the ship Enterprise that wall. Yeah. yeah, with the colors, it looks great. It's beautiful. This is a thing straight away that's interesting with this film is that one of my big takeaways um, from it was that they seem to almost miss a trick here with the fact that obviously it was released in the 50th anniversary year. And really, um, a lot of people have said, why wasn't it released the weekend of the 50th anniversary? Like, you know, because you could have really tied in with that. And all of the little bits which kind of became more about celebrating the legacy of Trek, the 50th anniversary, seemed to come later in the marketing campaign, like that Star Trek motion picture evoking poster and stuff like that. Uh, rather when a, a lot of people said why didn't they do their Skyfall kind of thing where it really felt like a, you know this is a 50th anniversary event yeah, I wonder like you know how much of Skyfall success was attributed to people kind of feel like they had to mark the, the anniversary somehow because I think they probably did a better job of doing you know making it the summer of Bond yes. than this was the summer of Star Trek at all because it, was, yes. it already had like not so great buzz going into it just because of the, how poorly it was received that trailer I think mm. Uh, and even the fact, the fact that it's written by Simon Pegg, you know, you know, a real sci-fi nut, it didn't feel like it was going to be as a big movie, really. I think losing Abrams mm-hmm. almost to the franchise, you know, from the director's chair, also felt like it was kind of taking a step down. And it's also kind of a shame because the summer season of 2016 was notoriously one of the worst. Really, like, I think, I think money-wise, it was pretty bad, but critically, it was just it was just full of sequels <laughs> nobody wanted. So this was the chance where people yeah. do want this one, and it was and it was you know. It's, great stuff going behind it so they really could have pushed through and well, won the summer but you know yeah and apparently I think just sort of badge, they didn't really do much to kind of like on home media to kind of like re-release like the films properly all mm. they did was a remaster of Wrath of Khan and added in the director's cut which isn't really that much of an improvement at all it's not an improvement in my opinion so it's just like that's literally the only thing they kind of like threw out there which mm. is just one of the films when like three well one three four five and six and seven, and maybe even eight, are all crying out for like a remaster. They didn't. They didn't do that. And I felt like there was nothing on TV. I mean, I suppose yeah. you just watch TV. Discovery was late. To the, late out of the gate, wasn't it? There was lots of delays there. So mm-hmm. yeah, because I mean, like originally would, like, have, would that have debuted in 50th anniversary? I, I mean, know. I know they're, it's been they're probably back a lot. they're probably in production with it when Beyond was released. I'd imagine. Yeah, because mm. with all the delays as well. It, it just seemed like they missed a trick to make this a bigger event than it was. And like you said, it was a very crowded summer of tentpole blockbusters. And although critically they didn't go down well, it it was just a crowded marketplace um, of lots of big projects. And because of that, um, you know, I'm going to say this up front, it's like this unfortunately uh, didn't do that amazingly in the box office. And we'll return to that later. Um, Talk about when we talk about kind of what happened in um, the wake of this film coming out. also, studio-wise, it's like you notice how there's like another two studios, like Alibaba Pictures and uh, like the Chinese money in this movie as well. It's like mm. kind of paramount, like just finances on their own. Like it feels like there's mm. a lot of uh, production sort of people, fe- you know, feeding into this now. It's like they kind of try to spread the cost. Like they can't see this happen yeah. with all big movies now, doesn't and it? And this was the first one to be shot entirely off the Paramount a lot. It was all done in Vancouver, well, Dubai. Even, well, yeah, it's yeah. British well, Columbia, I think, as well. It's yeah. in Canada and but but, not but, in Paramount. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of there's a lot of Eastern money in, in that. And the thing is, I think I think there was a uh, there was a there was a lot of 
a lot of especially the bigger the film the, the obviously the more the more money required and if mm. they uh, if you, if the, if a production goes off to say um, so Yorktown a lot, all of that stuff um, was was shot in Dubai mm. um, and a lot of the original buildings ended up still being there as well um, there was uh, you you immediately have a lot of a lot of money coming from from that camp you have a you you mm. have co-productions where it's you know it's a lot of that crew a certain percent, if you go and shoot in a, in, a, in, a, in a different country, a lot of that crew mm. needs to be homegrown. Mm. So you end up with a lot of co-production. Yeah. So. Mm. But I feel like this is the, their only way of keep. I mean, it, it may be a signal that Paramount doesn't feel like it's worth the budget into darkness. So the only way they can kind of keep it up to that level of what's been the standard being set in the co universe is to get extra money in from elsewhere. Yeah, because it had the same budget like, as yeah, darkness. I don't feel like yeah. it's a drop down. I thought that was my worry for it. It would kind of feel not as A grade as the others. No, the, spe- the special effects yeah. certainly still feel really kind of impressive, uh, apart from that really, really dodgy. CG with a motorbike yeah Kirk the first time he comes out on the motorbike when they first come out it looks oh you mean from the the behind shot where he's like bumping up and down yeah Yeah, it felt a bit like Revenge of the Sith pure green screen yeah yeah. but you still the thing is though is that no matter matter how how big of him you still get the odd jonky shot if if they haven't you know if they haven't organised the post 100% right Mm. and the thing is is that you know yeah, even you even you look back at Avatar now, and actually a lot of that a lot of that CG still really really holds up. But then there'll be the odd shot where you go, ugh, yeah, they yeah. haven't done the water right there at all. And because as time goes on, that will just those effects will just seem worse and worse because it's it's locked to that mm. that yeah, date, yeah. you know. Well, I should just say, in general, I think the effects are really gorgeous. Mm. And I think mm. a big takeaway being that this is our final film mm. um, from the Star Trek films is how, in general, I mean sometimes the odd shonky thing. But in general, I think the effects of the Star Trek films stand up. Oh yeah, they're incredibly well these last three. Yeah, like, yeah, 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 really, really. And then not well. just the effects, but the, the, the design as well. Like the yeah. sort of imagination in Yorktown, it's like Inception on acid or something. It's just this yeah, crazy yeah, kind of like messing crazy, with yeah. gravity and globe. And this is yeah. the big kind of space station thing, yeah, space yeah. station city. Kind of, and I love, yeah. I love the idea of them coming in and sort of being underneath like a I waterway love the and stuff. Set, and, yeah, and then yeah. it's a nice reinvention of the space dock. Like, yeah, um, you know that we've seen. You know, we all out a few times <laughs> yeah. uh, you know it's, it's a good reworking of that yeah definitely. and the time seeing like the warp ripple effect early on where yeah that's really, really nice that yeah. really there's cool. lots of nice space stuff but it's yeah, a great idea yeah. let's dive into it right from the opener then uh, we've got another slapstick comedy mini mission opening as we did in Into Darkness what did we think about this I think this one worked better than Into Darkness because yeah. I mean it's kind it's of not a, so much though. It's, <laughs> it's a little shorter it's not so <laughs> bloated and it is a very very silly but it kind of you know, throwing back to the series which this film obviously does a lot and the MacGuffin involved comes back later on so it's not just a throwaway away away thing and, and not a throwaway um, mission it's not a throwaway away mission no yeah. Um, and yeah I mean it's a bit of a, it's a bit jarring actually to straight yeah. away see such cartoonish yes. CG aliens but I mean when they get down to them they're all small I mean is that a reference to the original series because I swear I've seen loads of pictures of Kurt like covered in there yeah, little it's kind of when he stuff. was yeah when he was kind of kind of and just, yeah doesn't he say something like oh series. I ripped my shirt again because that's a whole reference but yeah. well, I like it in the whole because it's kind of like it just has a bit of fun and then moves on and it does pay off later so yeah I enjoyed that I do like that you know the first bit of the, the other crew you hear is Scotty just being very calm about like oh yeah no there's a bit of interference down there you know that that was a 
good way of just sort of introducing the crew bit by bit, and then you got like Spock, just the first fair question, have you managed to like sort out the uh, what you meant to do? Oh, <laughs> just yeah, straight yeah, in there. Yeah, did yeah. you did you manage to broke a piece? No. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I like that. Yeah, I've got to say I wasn't a huge fan of the opening first time around. I'm I'm still not now. I kind of think it well, I didn't like it in Into Darkness with mm. the kind of like opening either. And oh. with this I just Do you not like the fun of it? Like do you, or is it I don't I, that's the thing is like I feel like it's enforced fun like yeah. I didn't find it that funny well, the problem you time. had with the Into Darkness intro was it kind of tried to go within oh, a yeah, minute yeah, yeah, to yeah, like yeah, bring yeah. in fake danger with Spock yeah, this is, yeah there's no works. like no one's really in danger here there's so all like, kinds of crazy stuff that's happening in that in, in, I actually quite like the introduction in Into Darkness because it's kind of I think it's also it's it's JJ's uh, shooting and kind of visual aesthetic style as well like they actually they actually mm. built a red forest yeah, yeah that they ran through mm. and oh, the, oh, it looks nice yeah, yeah, yeah I mean yeah. he's he's always on top I was gonna I was gonna say just a minute ago kind of just men- mentioning things like effects and design it's it's a lot of it is attributed down to just smart directing and you know and putting the kind of the right people on the job because yeah given given the right uh you know given the given a, a limited amount of stuff like you'll come up with something kind of incredible if you're a very um if you're a very ingenious and um resourceful person which jj is I also I, I kind of like the opening of of Beyond, but you can tell it's not JJ. Like you can tell it's a different director because yeah, these creatures whether you whether you like them or not, I think the gag works quite nicely. It's it's funny the fact that it rolls the creature mm. rolls down the hill and it's this tiny little <laughs> kind of little yeah. little bastard. And you feel it's probably meant to be quite cartoonish. Yeah. As well. that's almost part of the joke, yeah. I guess. My favourite yeah. bit of that is you know they're all talking over each other about yeah you you this this thing you don't know them like we doing yeah. he's like a car salesman he's trying to say this beloved it's amazing trying to get through his spiel exactly and it's great because you kind of it's it really sets up quite quickly you know along with his captain's log after this that this is this is this is business as usual mm-hmm. this is what they do yeah, and what they should do. <laughs> this is what Starfleet, yeah. this is what Starfleet, you know, should should be doing, which is going going around learning more. You know, trying to be yeah, their brokers of peace. Mm. Yeah. They've grown since the away mission in yeah. Dark Space, where they yeah. screwed everything up. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And this is yeah, it's not Kirk particularly screwing it up. But here, he's yeah. doing the best he can. I think that's what yeah. you can take away from it. It's like he's just a victim of like the you know a cultural misunderstanding. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I think this is the best film for Chris Pine as Captain Kirk. For yeah. sure. Well, I, think, I believe he actually has an idea that actually you know nobody else comes up with, and it actually saves the day. I think it's much he seems the most Kirk-like in this film for me. Yeah. Like it's almost like he's grown up to that role because we here we're finally after two films we're finally into the mission, yeah. and now we've fast-forwarded three years into mm. the mission here yeah. and you, that gives you the opportunity for him to seem more like the Kirk well they had almost kind of invent a reason for him to have a bit of angst in this film and it's kind of you know passing the age of his father he has yes but of course uh, you know and it, it don't actually kind of dwell on it too much actually because once the ship goes down which is uh, you know comes in a little bit he has the same moment with his father like he's the last man standing on the bridge but he lives beyond it and I feel like it's mm. um, yeah 
It's quite, quite a lot of yeah. pathos. And we should say we are drinking to Kirk Senior today um, <laughs> with some scotch, uh, some 10-year-old uh, Talisker single malt scotch whiskey uh, that we have here. So it's not the exact scotch they have in the film. So um, this is Glenfiddich, but, yeah. But it is uh, uh-huh. scotch. So I'd just like to clink our glasses first. Excellent. To, to Chris Hensworth. <laughs> <laughs> May he not come back in Star Trek 4. <laughs> Sorry, Thor. <laughs> he don't. He don't need it. He doesn't need it. Oh, uh, no, he Lordy, doesn't. As, oh, as he, yeah. as um, yeah, um, as Bone says, you should see the gag reel for like lots of other versions of that. No, <laughs> just, just. I mean, this is a quick question. This is, um, this is kind of where I can come in as, as a kind of a casual Trek fan. I have a question about about Kirk's character off the back of this. I think Chris Pine does a really, really good job in this, and I and I actually, I actually really like him as a character mm, in this film yeah, yeah. more so than I liked him in in, in the previous couple. Um, so it's the the premise, the kind of the, the beginning of this movie shows that Kirk is um, he's getting bored with yeah. with going around being a, a bit of a, a peacekeeper uh, again. Like I said, doing all the things that 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 Starfleet was captain. So was Kirk? Is this the same kind of Kirk? Did he ever get bored of doing his job? <laughs> well, I mean, it's it's funny because it, in a way, of course, we're not the best people to ask us yet because we haven't actually deep dived into the original series <laughs> on the show. Although. Right. Paul has more experience to this but I mean all the movies of course in the 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 movies at least I would say that Kirk always seems very much like an adventurer Mm. explorer um, he suddenly doesn't the, want to give up what he's doing for anything, really. Yeah, one of the changes he's fighting for it yeah. with the original series Kirk at all, like that. Bit. Yes, because he does become a, an admiral in the before the big events of motion yeah. picture, but he wants away from that job because it's a desk job. Yes, and it's not, it doesn't really make sense for him to want to mm. at this stage of his career, which is before the five year mission's even up to want to take that thing and it's always in the movies it was a mistake for him to take promotion right. like so I suppose he's like this is you know he made the, mis- the same mistake of getting promoted in both timelines or he, he he has the job offer in this doesn't he but he turns it down oh yeah, yeah so yeah. Um, you know it would be sense that this Kirk you know t- is basically a bit like 15 years ahead of time mm. like I think that's well this is. is a slightly odd thing with the JJ movies isn't it? which I've actually mentioned on a previous podcast uh, I think in the first JJ Star Trek is the fact that here I feel Starfleet, what they're doing is slightly different to the original series where it was all about exploration and adventuring, whereas they seem like these peacekeepers. And, like, you know, it doesn't seem quite the same mission as before. Um, I think, well, it's been mm. a bit subverted by the events of Into Darkness, isn't it? They've yes. developed, like, more offensive technology quicker and potentially they've become militarised a little bit more. But I think they tried yeah. to do away with that here. There's no references to, like, transwarp beaming and, you know, and you know long-range torpedoes in this one. It is, it's trying to go away from some of those things that mm. have uh, kind of moved it on too quickly. Yeah, it's back yeah, yeah. to, like, well, you know, it would make sense they've established a star base at the edge of mm. where they've got to. But they are, the whole Enterprises thing, they're just kind of stopping off here on the way to carry on going to, mm. into the unknown, aren't they? Yeah. So it's pretty much like... I think it's the same. Yeah, yeah. there's pretty much like zero reference to Into Darkness. Um, none more obvious than the fact that Carol Marcus is nowhere to be seen or referenced, you know? Yeah. They've kind of skipped over that entirely. But I wonder if this kind of different, almost reverse Kirk is a comment on this Kirk, how different he was because of what happened to his dad. And mm. so they do touch on it in an early scene where, you know, he's, he overages him and... I think that might be the main difference between Kirk Prime and this one. That this one's kind of like it got my dad killed. He might be thinking different stuff. So it kind of makes sense to do a little flip. It's quite interesting. It's really interesting hearing you guys talk about 
uh, what's going on in this? Uh, would, you, uh, would you call the? I heard this being called the Kelvin universe. Yeah, because of yeah, that's where yes. that's where it got split. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting you talking about 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 these 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 films um, and and the the canon of it. And, and obviously, I know that the writers, especially especially considering this um, this one is is penned by um, uh, Simon Pegg. And, and, like and I will not forget the other guys. Doug, no, Doug, Doug Jung. Doug Jung, yeah. Um, uh, be- because, you know, I'm just, as a, as a, as a moviegoer and someone that, that, you know, is just kind of working in, in this direction, the, I'm aware so much of how these films are designed to be action films. And so to hear you talk about, oh, whether, it, well, oh, that this one's a bit more militarized. Or, uh, in, my, in my mind, I'm just thinking, they... They got to make sure that there's a lot. There is a lot of firing of guns and a <laughs> yeah, lot of punching yeah. and like, yeah, that's if, the, you know to write a a, a a decent script, you know that means some some of these characters they're going to have to change. That yeah, this mm. is not this is not the Star Trek that, that I'm sure was on t- yeah was on TV in the sixties. Yeah. These are these are action films and to the point where you know after after kind of watching it again just to prepare prepare for for this podcast I um yeah I I, I flipped the Blu-ray around yeah you know, on the back cover and it's you know it's it's sold on being a rip roaring action. Right. So, and so it's like, yeah, you have to take all of that stuff with a pinch of salt because you know that they, you know, I, I believe this was what JJ said when uh, when he was approached to do the, two, the the you know the reboot was that Paramount asked him, can you make Star Trek cool again? Yeah, you know, can you basically just bring the fra- you know, drag the franchise back into back into cinemas and give it a really big shot in the arm? Mm. So yeah, it's it's just interesting because it's yeah, like yeah, yeah. It's, all well, of think, this stuff is repercussions of making an action film. Yeah, I think yeah. It, well, it's kind of working back from it. I mean, we I feel like this film I enjoy the moments which aren't the action almost. I want to kind of yeah. see this character moments in between there. Those for me are the action, and I think for a lot of Trek fans who uh, you know love the characters, they want to see the interactions. Mm. They want to see that. Sp- Spock and McCoy get some screen time together where they can bounce off each other which they haven't had a chance to do in in these movies up to this point so it's like it does feel like this is the celebration of the 50 years of Star Trek is in those moments where they're trying to bring the characters the character interactions yeah, character interactions you know and uh, you know they really just amp up the action like the destruction of the Enterprise which happens shortly after you know about 25 minutes in is like spectacular it but is, it is yeah. um, it feels like that you just want to kind of get that out of the way really yeah. to move on to the what the, what the character's going to do in yeah. uh, when they get split up it was so very refreshing by the way to to see that because I saw in some of the in good company I saw with Greg, oh okay, yeah. um, which is great, and um, and to see a film. So this was this was this was sandwiched in between seeing uh, Independence Day two, which was like watching a car crash, yeah, and uh, and and, and seeing and seeing um, the remake of Ghostbusters. Triple uh, Bill. So yeah, it was it was a pretty it was a pretty bad summer. I mean, there's there's mm. another terrible film I can't quite remember. I think I've just erased it from memory, but this. Not not only am I happy that this this film, you know, with all of its themes and its goodwill and everything, not only am I happy that this uh, that this was good, but actually, yeah, I agree. The the char- watching the characters on screen um, interact with each other was the highlight for me. Yeah, everything else was still I get really really competently and well done. Yeah, mm. absolutely. Yeah. It was yeah. There was uh, 
they really like let the characters, you know, the actors doing those roles, they really kind of grow into them and just trusting them to kind of bring mm. the, the scenes to, to life, really. And, you know, Justin is behind and, and delivers, I think, on the action front. You know, I, d- I don't know if everybody agrees with that, but I feel like the the fact that you have the end of Into Darkness almost repeated verbatim mm. uh, with the saucer of the Enterprise and things twisting up and down and still let it still for its own thing. I mean, it's less, yeah, than, it does, less yeah. than half a film ago, you had this exact same set piece of a ship. Yeah. But I, I don't think the one in Into Darkness is memorable. I really oh, don't. I do. Like, I, like, I, like I think this one has a lot more, more a lot more structure to it. So yeah. you've got like it's not just it's not just crashing. You've got the other ships coming in. It's great, great design yes. again. The yeah, way yeah. they sort of pierce it awesome. open and the guys drop out. So you've got like almost like a first contact style. Assault yes. on yeah, the ship yeah, yeah. itself. Definitely a first then all your so, inception yeah. set flipping as it's starting to turn, and then all the pods coming out and being taken, and then the warp things being torn off, then the dome being torn off. So it builds and builds and builds, and everyone's kind of involved in little areas. Yeah, and, and I got, love that when it's finally whole, coming down. Enjoying that, so you've got a fight between Kirk and Crawl, yeah. Yeah. which maybe I think maybe start, is a bit too early in the film for or for the you know the bad guy to go head to head with him. But like it's the only time I noticed the score actually is on this third viewing, uh, which was. Very kind of sixties, you know, Kirk and Spock fight. Da, 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 da. It was actually, if you listen it back, it's actually quite sounds a bit like the TV show for mm. the first time. So it's Michael again. Yeah, yeah Michael, yeah. Michael, yeah. Michael, our friend. Um, and you've got like Kirk trying to like get, they realise that the uh, the Argonoff Argonoff like the uh, artifact that they're all after that's all comes off during this battle as well and hiding it. So there's quite a things going on as well. You've also got this great moment with Ahura, like um, sacrificing yeah. herself, and finally getting to kick some ass. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She, kills, she takes two down. Yeah, yeah, yeah she's yeah. pretty cool in that moment. I mean, I think it's just a really impressive sequence because, like you said, there's so much going on. Although the the the, the you know phaser battle does look like uh, Quasar, <laughs> <laughs> and having Sulu it's the red like, lights going up and down the things <laughs> as well in the background, I just feel like I'm in. And, and of course, this is the uh, search for Spot comparison. Of Kirk gets to see the Enterprise going down once again, as he does in search well, of Spock. He has a brilliant view of it from the yes. escape pod. Actually, but that's yeah. a great shot. That's a very well. memorable, mm. memorable shot because it also gives you a really good idea of scale. Mm. Yes, yeah, like yeah, it's yeah. And, and you know a lot a lot of these big films they don't you kind of I've ne- I'm never even sure um, watching even the, the previous two JJs. Um, how big, like how big the actual enterprise is? Yeah, I know it's. I know the one that the you know this this new one like uh, allegedly is kind of like like five times as big as as the original series one is supposed to be. You mm-hmm. know, but like I'm never entirely sure. And also, this is reflected in how many crew you see. Yeah, which yeah. Well, I'm sure we'll talk about later with all of the yeah. third act rescue stuff. But it's like yeah, I, I I'm never entirely sure how many how big it is and how, how many, many people, people are, are required. There. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I think Justin really was one of those things like it sits down to a story meeting. It's like one thing I really want to show in this film is where you are yeah. on the Enterprise at any one time. I don't mm. want you to be just like just some corridor because in that uh, when Kirk and Chekhov uh, have to go back to the crash saucer section, yeah, to um, to perhaps use the sensors, there's a, an action sequence where they are running up and being chased by um, the traitorous sort of alien mm-hmm. woman and two yes. two guards uh, from Halo. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, um, but yeah. They, they run round and then the camera comes out of the ship and then goes back mm, round so in another take. section mm. and it goes and this is a huge effect shot just to show you where they are in the cell mm. section at one time I thought yeah, that's definitely. a lot of money to well, do that shot the Enterprise is a place you, that makes sense yeah 
Well, when it's crashing, yeah. it's very important about where everyone is because the ship is kind of coming apart. Yeah. And that's really well kind of like done as well in I, terms of they, they keep mentioning where they are, where they're going, and I think Kirk's having to run around mm, those. Yeah. And I, I just think that sequence is really exciting, really intense. It comes out of nowhere in a sense it literally just suddenly happens and it really feels like a jolt. Mm. Like people are genuinely dying you're seeing the shit get yeah. torn apart people red shirts are flying out all over the place into the even some yellow shirts too like, yeah. like that. even the people in skate pods are getting taken yeah. and like that so that's really good there's some real danger there when Kirk actually says abandon ship Mr. Sulu He's, he's so emotional God, when he says it and you, you feel again that emotion that we got with Shatner in Search of Spock where he had to abandon the ship as mm-hmm. well and I, see it go down I like the bit where they, he does quote like some emergency order when they're being boarded that you know and then Spock and McCoy literally without a word get up and go to the turbo lift yeah because yeah, McCoy you know is such a wise ass all the time it's, it's interesting to see him like revert to like serious you know Starfleet mode when when the situation calls for mm-hmm. it's like that order means something like mm-hmm. we we're about to get like hands on with some bad guys it's actually quite good and I yeah. love that the final kind of image of the ship landing by that point is a literal UFO it's just a proper disc coming down mm, yeah. and it's kind of it's like it's like I think it was Generations when they crashed on the planet mm. it's like yeah, yeah. it's yeah. what Generations wish they could do well, I, I think the Generations one stands up to be honest though, but it's not... oh yeah no the Generations that, one that still, still looks awesome it's still yeah, yeah. great that was a that was a massive miniature yeah yeah it looked amazing mm. but yeah. this 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 sequence yeah it, it was if it's photo real, you yeah. know, to yeah. me, yeah, fantastic. I want to roll back to uh, like Antoine Yelchin because you know mm, yes. this is his last appearance as Chekhov, and he's fantastic. Is that him getting chucked out of the bedroom at the beginning? Yes, yes, yes I thought it was. I love that. I mean, he's also he's another a big thing. Like, yeah, he's such a womanizer in this, and it was like you've got so much of his character. What if they put those bits back in? Because I know they did say he did some re-editing after he passed away during um, post-production that they might have gone and put. Do you feel beef up the yeah, Yelchin factor? Yeah, give him a bit more Yelchin factor. Yeah. But like, it's yeah. another green lady getting fucked over in these movies which is like Sophie did say friend of the show did say like she looked more yellow but I'm like green woman <laughs> yeah, I, I looked this up because um, I actually watched this with previous guest uh, Eleanor um, and she said uh, about oh was was there stuff done with special is it a bit like Paul Walker mm. in Fast and Furious 7 was it another case that they had said? and I said well I don't think so because I looked it up and he literally died the month before the film came out so yeah I would have thought it would have been mm. done I, I think, like, uh, it was just like a really like great moment where um, Kirk's like getting a bit bit for himself he goes like you know I've got a nose for danger Mr. Chekhov and uh, but his reaction is like oh yeah. it's like, yeah. like, it was almost like agreement it was like yeah we've been for a lot together mm. and you know mm. you've always been you know steered us right just before Kirk gets like yeah. trapped in the, in the booby trap and I like that it was the... just nice moments between the two which I really appreciated yeah and the very fact that out of all the kind of pairings that happen in this film it's Chekhov and Kirk so yes. even though they didn't know it his final kind of adventure he gets to hang out with Kirk yeah. which is really cool and I mean guaranteed screen time I, yeah. I really like the early so, I mean although I have issues with the opening comedy mission it's over quite quickly and then you're straight into this catch up of over three years into the mission we've got Kirk's yeah. voiceover and, a bit of, and I actually really really like that voice I think it's really well written by Simon mm. Pegg and also of course Doug Jung yeah. um, but in my mind it's just, just Simon Pegg like I'm just going to go with him now well, I, mean, really yeah, hard I, I, I mean I'd be interested to know what, what the split um, is because what the split is yeah. well, I think any scene where Scott is heroic that's Simon Pegg <laughs> uh, yes yeah. also he says bastard way too many times like, um, I mean I looked up kind of Doug Jung's 
credits and he hasn't done huge amount we did write two episodes of Banshee which is a TV series I absolutely love mm-hmm. so kudos for that um, but certainly from the publicity Simon Pegg was the one being touted as the screenwriter which is another case of a Star Trek actor becoming involved in the creative process mm. and of course Nimoy directed Search Spock the third chapter of the original films um, yeah but I like all that initial stuff as you say he says things are feeling episodic yeah. which is obviously a joke about like you know the original series and what I did think and I I have no idea whether this other you might know, Paul, but obviously the original series had three seasons and then it was cancelled. So five year mission. Mm-hmm. I presume when the film when the series starts were at the beginning. I was like, is that deliberate? Is that a kind of geek reference of like this is three years in? Are we meant to think well, this way- is season four of the original the series? Finale, a new yeah. finale for season three. Yeah. Well, they kind of like had a little allude to that in. Um, they had they sort of mentioned in Into Darkness that the ship they they go to the Klingon planet is called is from the Mud Mission. So that's one of the original series episodes. Okay. And so I think yeah yeah the idea is that you're having these adventures and you could go look at the original series as filling in those blanks. But then maybe that's why this is called Beyond because it's beyond maybe. Star Trek yeah. and it's also beyond the point his father died I think maybe these are you know it's so so well written exactly but yeah they don't like, we talk about the pace of it yeah they don't spend too much time in Tomorrowland uh, at the beginning oh this, so, no no York, Yorktown looks great and it's a great idea I think <laughs> it's a great it's a great because it's it's nice to move yeah to, to, to bespoke to with the name of that, that I oh, like to run a line yeah. oh it's, it's awful no it's great yeah. oh. it stinks <laughs> I'm not going to give you a pin now I would have a Toraland pin yeah. for you but I, you, you were invited you deserve it oh dear oh, oh, oh man oh, we'll, we'll have a we'll have a conversation about that someone li- someone Lindelof Tomorrowland all over it. coming soon like, yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, that's bad, bad. It's like, yeah. Mind. But um yeah, no, I, I I thought Yorktown was it it's um Simon Pegg said it's it's um there's well this is what I like by the way about the, the fact that Simon Pegg ju- uh, jumped in. Um I was asked by JJ actually I think to, to jump into to writing it. But he's he's um on the behind the scenes bits and pieces on on the Blu-ray, yeah, uh, Pegg said just it's he's only in it briefly just kind of talking about just the setup of this film. But it's lots of little smart little things that he knows that where he can push this blockbuster to. So people are fed up of like, you know, the last two movies saw people screaming on earth because something's dropping down everything so let's just okay Paramount you still need that kind of a thing all right, we'll move it to the, we'll move it to Yorktown base instead. He's making very clever chess moves yeah. as to so that they can still have their cake and eat it. And to not like, repeat themselves. And, still have a and, human yeah. city with people screaming. Yeah, about, you can still yeah. yeah exactly you can still have that. But guess what? It's not Earth. You've, it's a proxy. He says. Yes. And that's again that's that's a smart person who knows the Hollywood system. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. you can still yeah. have their cake and eat it. That's very very true. Um, yeah, I mean we're getting to Yorktown now. Of course, this is a big moment. Uh, well. Uh, it was a big moment for the film in publicity within the film it's not such a big moment which of course the revelation that Sulu is gay uh, in this universe um, and you know we see him arriving and being greeted by his partner um, and their little daughter uh, there Kirk watches on kind of you know um, 
now we kind of mentioned this in our Into Darkness mm-hmm. episode. Rebecca, our guest, uh, talked about how uh, you know this is the most pathetic lip service uh, you ever get, which has become a common thread in Hollywood cinema. Big like, up Power Rangers, uh, Power Rangers, Beauty and the Beast mm-hmm. of having a gay character where basically it's like oh they're gay let's not mention they're where's gay where's like, like mouse over token uh, yes the basement, like, there was a, a scandal this week where it's like on this um, uh, I don't know fishing magazine or something like that or no but cycling it was a cycling magazine where like it was an online version of it and it had a, woman, a picture of a woman like smiling on a bike and it just said mouse over you mouse over it just token woman on bike and it's just like yeah it was such a misogynist thing to do anyway yeah I mean it's something where obviously George Sakai wasn't very impressed uh, with the idea of it and I can it's I can sympathise because it is that idea of going obviously he was saying I think a gay character in Star Trek is great but why are you making it my character what just because I'm gay like I think and that does seem like an odd choice and then certainly when you actually see it I mean when he turns up the only giveaway that it isn't his bloody brother or something is that when he puts his arm around, he kind of like softly strokes him a little bit. And it's like, they, you don't know how long they've been apart, but potentially three years or so. You yeah. kind of presume they've kind of stopped by at some other point. But it's like, just give him a kiss. It doesn't have to be like a full-on snog mm-hmm. or anything like yeah. that. It's like, but at least give him a kiss on the lips. I think just give yeah. something a little more. Just make it. It's not realistic. It's simply not realistic that these people are meant yeah, to be a couple. Also, of you're saying like in the twenty fourth century that yeah. people would still be like you know so uh, chaste. Like, well, bit you know mm. a bit like oh, you know I'm not going to kiss him in public. But, you know what's behind closed doors? Fine, you know it's just completely desexualized. But I, I don't know. I think if you take if you take the whole media conversation out of this though I thought it was handled really really well because imagine if you're just sitting in the cinema you're watching this thing up this happen and they go oh oh okay everyone's pairing off with uh, if you know with uh, if they if they you know haven't seen their loved ones forever who, whoever is uh, whoever is actually residing at, at Yorktown you think and you see that moment where they put their hands around each other and you think oh nice oh fine cool great this is it's like it just it just opens up it just kind of it just makes it a bit more kind of a bit more modern yeah okay sure yeah you're right it's maybe not not realistic because if, no. if they haven't seen each other for a while then they probably would have given each other a kiss but the thing is because if they were straight just, they would have kissed but it's just it's just what I I think what it is it, it, I, I get really annoyed with uh, a lot of Doctor Who stuff when they feel like they need to wave their arms around and say mm. I'm gay. I'm gay. Okay, I'm gay. Everyone, everyone, pay attention because because a gay thing is you know like this moment's happening on screen right now. Like, yeah, I you know I'm 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 okay with either way. But look, the thing is, is that is you don't have to telegraph this stuff. I think mm. when you make a point of it, you, it's almost like you are waving a flag. But there's yeah. a balance, isn't there? You yeah. don't have to wave. Your, do you think that them having a kiss? Is waving the arms around, going, I'm going, I'm going. No, absolutely not. And, and I think it it's, would have, it would have still, it would have still been, yeah, it would have still been yeah. fine. But I also understand that, yeah, like yeah, from a, from, the, a, from a business point of view, well, and that's the, the problem. Yeah, then, the, then problem. the, uh, the East is going to have a lot of, you know, yeah, with with the length of screen time, it's just what happens within that screen time. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's like that's right. It's, if that's the reveal, that's great. Yeah. But I think you know, it's just the content. All I'm saying is, I think it's 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 handled well. It's like you say, like somebody could have just bent down to grab a handful of popcorn, sat back up, and missed it. And been like, yeah, completely. Yeah. Like, so, be like, oh, is it? Who's that? <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. You know, just bending down so, to check my popcorn. Uh, oh, well, Mister. So, Sulu's yeah. straight, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, by the way, uh, yeah, uh, his husband is played by the writer. That's, oh, that's, 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 really? Is that yeah. 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 
good old Doug Chung. Yep. There he is. He like, can't uh, possibly written it because he was busy acting the whole time <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah that was the problem like, I, um, I also think like the the Leonard Nimoy tribute by having oh, yeah. you know that thing very tastefully done as well I think both of those things that could have been really wink wink kind of like fan service like really really well handled mm. you know it, mm. it appropriately gravitas you know have Leonard Nimoy's picture and the date you know and it just but it also makes sense to the character this was bound to happen and it, and it gives yeah. him kind of like a parallel to Kirk, you know, because these films have been the Kirk Spock adventures pretty much. And it feeds into Spock's, like, where his head's at for this whole film as well, because he's thinking, I've got to go off and do this other thing because now that old Spock's gone, I should be doing that. And so it parallels what mm. Kirk's going through with the Admiral job. It's, it's, smart, it's smart and respectful, I think. But the, oh, the, the, the interesting thing is, though, is that just by, by, by almost having a memorial, uh, like moments in, yeah. uh, um, in, in this film, especially, you know, mm-hmm. um, especially with, with Nimoy, um, it's, it reminded me of the real world stuff. And that's why I, I also started thinking about Anton Yelchin as well, because it was mm-hmm. almost like they, the characters in this film were aware of the people mm. that. Are no longer around. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and the yeah. thing I was just saying was uh, this film's almost about how life gets in the way when we want to share important news because the whole film, Kirk has this thing hanging over his head, so does Spock, and they kind of need to talk about it, but they're separate for quite a lot of this one, especially compared mm. to the others. Mm. Well, that's nice, isn't it, actually? The bit where they try to talk to each other in the lift, but there's mm. not enough time the mission has to start. You know, it takes five seconds to leave Space Dock versus five minutes in uh, the original films. Yeah, I, I suppose there's like, a conscious <laughs> effort, isn't it, to not let yeah. Kit the Kirk and Spock show again. Yeah, that, like, glad uh, that, that, you know, again, yeah. that's Peg reacting quite well to kind of what maybe been the hang-ups about the last two. It has been kind of the... the, the we still haven't had the Kirk Spot McCoy, which could, if the fourth one does ever get made, that's where I'd like it to kind of go a bit. But we've got the, you know, Kirk Spot's been done, we've got Spock and McCoy done in this one, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. I don't... You've got a little bit of Spock, no, so Kirk and McCoy in the first movie where they meet. But yes. Yeah. And a bit more in this where they've got the, well, the sequence that we were talking about earlier where they pay tribute to Hemsworth yeah. is reminiscent of Rothfuck Khan where yes. he comes to celebrate his yeah, birthday. Yeah, that's right. Spot. He's the only one drinking with him. I yeah, think that's yeah, nice. Yeah. Like, um, I do find that scene a slightly little bit now. I know we kind of like alluded to it. It's a bit on the nose, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, just the whole, the kind of, you know, it's a bit like they're selling this this whiskey rather because it is clearly in the camera as well. Mm-hmm. It just feels like. It's, oh, is it a bit of product placement? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, well, yeah, I suppose it must the, be. The yeah. actual shot where Carl Evan picks it up because he's picks it up off screen the camera's on him and he goes I have this whiskey and just like presents it to the camera it's almost yeah. like Truman Show like, well, like yeah, eh? if, if Tesco like 9.99 now like you know with a voucher comes up on the screen it would be, would be out of place but uh, the thing with the Leonard Nimoy tribute it's kind of um, a bit sad really because while I obviously appreciate them doing a tribute to him within the film um I find it slightly irritating. I feel I mentioned this in the in science episode. Is the fact that now essentially old Spock has been a part of all three of these films, and for me, it kind of like he really should have just been in that first film and then completely gone. And you could have, I think, there's you could have found a way to pay tribute in this movie without actually kind of bringing his character in in the sense that they actually come and say look this character's actually died um, in reality kind of thing I think there was a way of paying tribute to that actor without doing that okay, and so you, don't, you don't like it then it's I it's not it's I feel it's half of me said I don't like because obviously I like the fact that they pay tribute to him but I think there was a different way to do it rather than actually because now it feels to me three films in we still haven't actually got away from the original series mm. like it still feels like this should be 
that this should have diverged in the first film and gone off on its own thing and I feel like we keep getting dragged back to it mm. um, you know at the end when he's actually looking I love the bit at the end when he's looking at the photo of the old crew mm. but it still feels a bit like oh this is really weird actually isn't it I mean and that's why I, you know I, I mentioned find it weird that they use a, the still the publicity still from Star Trek 5 <laughs> <laughs> like not being one of the good ones well, 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 <laughs> excuse listen, me. listen to our Final Frontier episode to hear how we disagree on this <laughs> but um, what I find it's funny actually doing that makes me think more than ever um, we should they should bring Shatner back because I just think well you may as well now because mm. you keep you keep bringing it back to your series especially when they show that photo and it's got kind of like Shatner a bit old and fat kind of thing so you can still come back now <laughs> you can bring back in Star Trek yeah. 4 but it's interesting though because I wonder the thing is I wonder now whether or not a, a reboot of a franchise can ever really shake off the, the shackles of, of it of its origins. I don't. Yeah, I don't. I'm, yeah. Not, I'm not. I'm, yeah, I'm not sure it can. I mean, the I think ne- you're probably right. The next the next couple of Star Wars films, are, you know, they're going to be very handy. Yeah, you know, right. they're going to talk a lot about Leia. They're going to talk a lot about Luke. You know, it's just kind of it's it's a shame that this. It's weird how yeah. So JJ was brought in to basically reboot, make fresh. They worked very hard in that first film to 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 sort of transpose the sort of that 60s and 70s kind of that mm. those characters that that. Aesthetic, you know yeah. those bright colors. I like the of... colors in the movie as well. Yeah, like, yeah, I know, yeah. The, the uniforms look terrific. They made it. Yeah. They made it work via you know via the Apple Store. <laughs> the way that you see the bridge, you know, kind of remade for two thousand nine, and it's and but it's it's all in it's all in service of reminding everyone of of this of this this. Yeah, that that, that very first, it, that yeah. the heritage of, of the show, and yeah, it is interesting what you, what you say about about yeah Nemo always mm. being now a, a part of this sort of trilogy. And again, it's probably a conversation for later. But whether we are where where these films are going to go next, have they served yeah. their purpose? Well, this, well, this is what I you, you know, know I say it again. It's like I don't want them to go back to Hemsworth because I think it's like now you're referencing your own films again. Yeah, and um, I think anything that diminishes the emotional impact of those first ten minutes by saying you know oh actually that didn't happen. Um, oh, he didn't die. Here he is again. Because basically, for people who don't know, the only news we know about Star Trek Four of this new timeline is that that they're expecting that Chris Hemsworth is going to reprise his role as George Kirk, and and Captain Kirk is going to cross paths with the man he never met, his father. Oh. And it's another time travel movie, and it just I, I'm not really that excited time, by time this. Time travel way. really kicked this new timeline into gear and if you go within time travel within this one it's going to get messier well yeah, yeah I mean we'll yeah. definitely we'll return well, to know, this in a later well the, uh, the villain for next one will be Biff Tannen uh, and it's going to be a sovereign sports almanac <laughs> oh, yeah. I would sorry I, I would watch <laughs> I, I would watch a Back to the Future Trek crossover right. now yeah yeah was, uh, uh, that's that's funny. I was gonna say like uh, we've got the Ready Player One has like really sold itself on the back of like seeing Thelorian back on screen. Have yeah. you seen the trailer for that? Oh yeah. Have you read the book? Yes. Yeah. yeah, it, yeah. I mean that's just a massive melting pot anyway yeah, of, yeah. Of, of of stuff that's ge- geekery. You know. Um, I like the planet that they go on. I think yeah. it's it's got otherworldly aspects about you know being too like it doesn't feel like Pandora, but it's certainly every shot they try to go to pains to show the flora and fauna aren't like of you know things you're familiar with. Mm. There's so like little bugs that yeah, there's a close up of some butterfly things on a yeah, rock. I like that, weird. and I think what I wanted was more time there almost. Um, well, on balance, this whole film 
spends the midsection on this planet where with screw, yeah, it's screw, the screw. second act, isn't it? Yeah, and I, you know, I wanted a kind of campfire scene somewhere in there. Okay, you, I was like, opportunity. I was so like, you do love Final Frontier. <laughs> uh, I like that. I've always said I like that scene. <laughs> but I think I mean, you get some character moments, but I feel like it, it, it's not all lived in enough, and they don't really sort of they come back together quite quickly. I find yeah, to plan, sure, to plan sure, the yeah. escape, and then you know, this film is two hours ten minutes of which like 10 minutes are credits so it is long <laughs> enough to have this in but I feel like I love the the final act in Yorktown which we'll get to but um, you know I think the midsection where we're now on the planet mm-hmm. I wanted to kind of revel in a bit more and kind of to it's spend a very more straightforward time. like mission isn't it that they're yeah, doing it's they, almost like Fire Frontier again with the whole uh, Uhura with the uh, dance distraction and their whole plan there yeah. it's almost like we're on this planet but we've got a straight goal and we're going straight yeah, into it yeah and you know I, I like the, but I do like they've all got their own little things going on like the, the prison breakout of Uhura uh, to sort of you know find out that the transmission is being sent to the, the Starfleet base uh, but Crawl like you know catches them and uh, he's like Jim Kirk will come for us. And then I, like, why did my head go to, Jim Kirk? Jim Kirk, you say? Coming for you? I am counting on it! <laughs> oh, man. Uh, if I uh, what do we, so what do we make of Jayla, the new uh, introduction here? Played by Sophia Butella. Yeah, who's kind of shot into the stratosphere recently with this, the mummy. Yeah, I was, I was watching this and the scenes between her and Scotty, they have a lot of pairing together. It's like, oh, you've both got the cruise connection now from Mission Impossible Mummy. Yeah, they must have, that's have a good chat. Is she in the new Mission Impossible as well? No, or no, but just she's... Being pegged? From oh, the, yeah, no, yeah, I mean, yeah. she's in the mummy with Chris. Oh, yeah, so. of course. Yeah, yeah, she yeah. She is a mummy and, you know, she's, you know, fighting against a guy who sucks the life out of people like Imhotep. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so there's yeah. a lot of mummy connections yeah. in this. Yeah, um, yeah. No, I mean that. Uh, I've got to say that thing with him sucking the life out of people. I think is pretty lame. I yeah, I think really. it just well, seems a bit stupid for well, Star Trek. I mean, well, do, do you do you do you know why he looks more human by the end? Uh, no, <laughs> I could not work <laughs> no. out. I, Sophie had to tell me last night. He goes, oh, yeah. well, Did it's the last know? person he's he starts to resemble the, the species that he's like digesting. Right. So he, all he's been fed on is the ones that are the same race as the the uh. traitorous woman. And so he starts to like you know look more alien. By you know all he's got is Starfleet crew. Why is he becoming alien in the first fucking? Yeah. How does he? Well, he discovers when he's Idris. Like, right. you know, he, at the beginning, he's like, oh, they'll find a way to, like, you know, uh, suck the life out of people. I think I'm going to do that from now on. And, uh, um, but yeah, on that planet, it's only what's available. Right, right. So he, you know, he puts more see a few alien at the time. And his teeth are completely different as well. Mm. And then when he gets some Starfleet crew members, he starts to become more human. By the end, he's almost back to old Idris with his teeth fixed. See, uh, that's, that's, yeah, that, that, is, is, not clear, that is not clear. Yeah, no, it's it right, That's my third viewing, and no. I still didn't know, and I yeah. had to, but so yeah. point it out. So, like, it is not only. Is it difficult to understand? It's difficult to care about enough to understand. Because for me, the biggest problem with this movie not is not Idris Elba, but the villain as written in the film. I mean, I really think that Idris Elba got screwed over royally with this movie. Um, it's, I, I love Idris Elba. I'm a massive fan. I think he's a brilliant actor. Um, Stringer Bell on the Wire, obviously. Luther. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, and I think... It, He's done really, really well um, as an actor, like coming more and more up in the Hollywood game. Now, when this film was being made, when he was cast, he was obviously a well-known actor, respected, but he wasn't the star he is now because while this film was in production, 
The Beast of No Nation was nominated for BAFTAs, Golden Globes. His role in it mm. uh, was he got a huge amount of critical acclaim for his role in that. Um, and the film was very well received as well. And uh, now, suddenly, if you see the roles he's getting now, they're far bigger, kind of, because he's about to be in a film called uh, The Mountain Between Us with Kate Winslet. Uh, it's well, a very Dark big Tower, movie. Wasn't it? Like, Dark yeah. Tower as well. He's led all the, that hasn't been a success. He's been ill serviced in that. Yeah, like, he was Bastille the, lead Day. Of a, a, Fucking the lead of a massive Hollywood blockbuster. Um, <laughs> and uh, I haven't seen Bastille Day. Uh, but again, you know, another action movie yeah. or something like that. Uh, <laughs> But it's that thing of, I don't believe that if they cast him now in this movie, they'd be covering him under loads of prosthetics. I think they would want to go, it's it like, just yeah. I, in this movie. I don't know. I, I, I bet he probably quite enjoyed it. I mean, the thing is, sci-fi, that big budget sci-fi was not new to him, you know, when he mm. did this film. Oh, I mean, Pacific Rim. Pacific Rim and yeah. the pilot of the Prometheus. I mean, like, oh, Captain yeah. of the Prometheus. So like, I, th- I think he's, you know, I think his, his talents have, have been recognised. I think he, he was kind of up there already. But I think, mm. who knows? I mean, like yeah. we have to see an interview, more of a candid interview because all of that e- yeah, EPK yeah, yeah. stuff is In very, it's very, very, you know, kind yeah, of, it's very narrative. I do think he doesn't get a chance to perform mm. through that. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Really and I think it's it very clunky. And I say like he fights Kirk, and you know, it's a very, it's the, one of the least memorable bits of the film. Yeah. Is the, the fact that you had your the captain of the Enterprise versus the captain of the bad guy, mm. you know, have a fight, and it's like nothing. It's not. You don't build up to it. No. And you've got him kind of wheezing like a really poor man's Darth Vader. Yeah. You don't feel particularly threatened by he's, him. He's not at full power, is he? He's no. weakened and stuff like that. Straight from the beginning. And yeah. it's such a shame because that fight, I think, has masses of potential because you were like, it's really, really uh, well, exciting not, yeah. to see Kirk in a full-on fist fight dust-up like the old days. And Idris Elba, what an amazing rival and a fight that would be for them. But he's, because he's all weakened and weird. Well, he's weak again well. in the fight. Final fight. Yeah, yeah, recall, yeah. That, that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he's, he's weak in both fights. Yeah, I would say. It's, so it's just completely. It's, you just don't get a chance to really get him to flex his muscles. Mm. It, it's such a shame because, like, I, I think this, you know. When uh, when the Enterprise is being you know ripped apart and it's crashing, I'm, I'm sitting there enjoy you know in the cinema and just really enjoying the heck out of this film and thinking, this is you know and it's it's written by Simon Pegg and you know everything I've seen thus far is really entertaining and also not dumb like it's it's you know a lot of this stuff that's going on is, is pretty smart oh, I, and I think this movie's going to be a home run and I can't wait to see Idris Elba step onto the scene you know and yeah. and I'm glad that you kind of just bring this up you know and lay this on the table now that it isn't he's not you know Kroll is not a very good villain at all he's no. in fact he's I think he's I was kind of wishing for someone you know, that was directed in it with such gravitas and has had as much gravitas as John Harrison slash Khan in the mm. previous film because he really does kind of he you know when he when he appears yeah you know, there is this chill throughout the air and you think like, this guy's going to be real trouble with here mm. yeah you keep on thinking about that um, that line that that Chris Pine says in in the captain's log which is you know um, things have become a bit episodic and he yeah. felt like a yeah. he you know well the, the sh- this film is kind of the the middle part I think is kind of the weakest part I, re- I really enjoy the opening the, the opening mm. half now I really enjoy the, the end half now in which I actually think that they saved yeah. all the good stuff with uh, about w- with Kroll's character to when he's inside the glass glass box uh, mm. at, at the end of the film but that that stuff needed to come out earlier because mm. until then 
he he was I'm I'm going to I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna kill people with this really forgettable weapon with the black the, the black we've, oh, we've, yeah, yeah, we've, yeah, yeah. we've seen that so much and it, even yeah. though I appreciate the fact that you know this MacGuffin had been set up in the first scene and it you know it's great yeah. you don't you don't think you don't think that that thing that he's trying <laughs> to sell them this priceless wonderful thing which by the way in the last scene is going to become a real big problem mm. for us yeah it's just, just... It's, a, it's just a shame that it's so episodic run of the mill. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's a guy. In, by the way, and again, it's 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 this this film. Some of this film really frustrates me. Well, you, you take that glass, the, the glass box scene. Yeah, you know, and you swap that black goo for money. You've yeah, got, you got Noel's house party. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you do. But it's um the the point I'm making is it's kind of like it, it frustrates me because first of all I'm glad that it's not a um it's not a um a human. Um, bad guy again mm. out for revenge even though yeah. he is a human bad guy out for revenge <laughs> I'm glad he's not a CG creation I'm glad he's got some really you know there's some really great shots of Crawl in, in the dark you can see there's pinpoints on his on his skin that are like phosphorescent kind of thing it's, a, mm. he does, it's kind of cool but like I, I feel like it's, it's just a, I just mm. feel like it's a it's it's a shame, you know. Mm. It's just a shame that With he's such them. a run of the mill villain that just wants to destroy everyone. And yeah. I can't entirely tell you why. At least in um, I, I love uh, Eric Banner's characters in, in the first film. Yeah, I because love it's like because film. I can tell you in a sentence why he's so angry. Yeah, makes <laughs> yeah. sense. Yeah. Whereas in this film, for me. I've got to say, like number one, like I said, I, I keep imagining what Elba could have done with a good villain role yeah. in such a if he had been free of prosthetics and rubbish and been given a better role. But it's it's that thing for me. I don't buy it. I don't buy why he's become a villain at all. I just think like when he Kirk says at the end, oh, he just got a little lost. Kind of, I'm just like, <laughs> well, so it's basically when you watch him on that video and he's gradually going crazy. I'm just like, uh, well, well, I don't you think don't your motivation what, well, works. Well, you don't know enough about this planet. This is the thing. You don't know. You get, you get the fact that the pictograms on the uh, Argonoff relate back to the, the temple that Kirk mm. and Spock come across. You don't really know what is so dangerous about this planet that killed the majority of... Um, mm. um, what's his name? Is it just that they're stranded the, there and it's yeah, just gone a bit... But, but like, yeah, he says there's, only, there's only three of us left. <laughs> like, you know... And I just, and, you know, and he goes, <laughs> you know, on his like uh, captain's log, which keeps jumping about, and he's just a bit more kind of overacting. Again, it's yeah. kind of this one time he's out of makeup. Uh, it's all a bit mm. ro- weirdly it's edited. Weird. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's saved. It's saved. Writing wise, as a twist, it hap- that mm. happens at the in the middle of the third act before the final action scene. What that should have that that revelation probably should have happened midway through the film. Yeah, uh, mm. like middle of act two, but probably maybe just just, just the end of act mm. two, so that there's an interesting twist before you know mm. before Yorktown even comes back into the so picture. Then you care a bit more. In the end. So you actually no, you, you understand you, him like. You, you never feel like there's any problem get, getting it, rescuing everybody. Yeah. It does feel quite straightforward, actually, to overall, you know. Because if it's win. just him and two people, it's like, what's the danger? Well, that's it. You've got loads of these drones. We don't know what they're from. Yeah. Like, how has he managed to convert them all? We don't really come out know he's gone Kurtz, essentially, mm. yeah. all by himself with all this technology. He's managed to turn people to his whim yeah. and managed to kind of get people to fall from the sky to, be, to keep feeding him and prolonging his life. A lot of kind of stuff is unseen and it's kind of just hinted mm. at, which I feel it would have built more threat. So, and, you know, he doesn't, feel threatening like he's got loads of hostages doesn't he he doesn't yeah. do much with them um, he could have used his Starfleet experience to kind of you know uh, anticipate the counter moves of Kirk in order to rescue them 
it does seem to go without a hitch mm. the rescue plan I thought you know Crawl if he had any depth to him would have you know some way of using his Starfleet background to fight back mm. so Crawl, yeah. Crawl for me I really I don't disagree with pretty much anything that's been said so far and I think he, he has a lot lacking but there's a lot of ideas in his character that I really like you know the idea of how war is something that's required to truly know oneself and the idea that here's someone who hates peace and stuff that you're all about peacekeepers right at a time when Kirk's kind of wrestling with the idea of what he's doing and the idea that you know struggle makes you strong not peace it's like always being against something so he's kind of doing that angry role and there's an element of truth in that that makes him quite identifiable but there's just not enough brought out of it and why it matters to him so much to make him a good yeah. villain so the ideas are there and when I first started seeing the Kroll stuff I was like oh he is just kind of a panto villain I don't quite know where I care and then these messages come out a little bit but not quite enough and you know his agenda has a logic to it that does make sense in theory but it, the film doesn't give you enough to be like I totally get this from what he's doing and it's why. just a shame because as I said this this movie was ticking along nicely and it, and it ticked so many boxes mm. that I wanted to see after, especially after going you know we all went too too deep into darkness with the previous movie and it's just it's a it's you know it was set it was set fire and just basically doing a mission they're actually doing they're finally there like they've they're finally doing what what you know what the enterprise uh, is, is supposed to do and it's all pretty tastefully directed you know it, it looks amazing everyone's all the characters are working really well with each other yeah and that's, the, the and that's, that's what I, that's what I'm enjoying so much yeah. but it's just it's a shame that we had to resort to another um you know, uh, uh, um, crazy kind of disillusioned, angry um, former Starfleet person who wants to mm. wipe out the nearest base, whether it be yeah. uh, Earth or whatever. Mm. It's just that's, and it's annoying to say, it, it, it pains me to say that because it's because I really enjoyed the film. Yeah, I know. So, and it is all of our hang ups. I think, you know, we can mm. have consensus on that. Like, yeah, the definitely. element is just the weakest bit. Do you mm. ever get who he's referring to when he says, uh, oh, my old friend? No. Well, he's in well, his when did, ship. when did you say that? Well, he's in his little ship and he sees the um, well Kirk and the, the the crew fly in like in the main battle outside. You know, where he just sees his old ship. He's referring to his old friend. Oh ship. right, yes, yes, yes. Ah, yes. yeah, like, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah which, like, you. you know, but I read it as like Kirk for a second, but it's like he's not known him long enough. But it's, it's <laughs> yeah. that passed me by. Yeah, yeah. yeah listen, you know, there's like, there again, there's a kind of thing there, sort of like, would he be more surprised to see his ship like flying and coming towards him? He doesn't seem to phase him whatsoever. He just goes from my old friend and then that's yeah, of course kind of they got it fixed and flew it out because he doesn't he shouldn't even know it's there really because well, well, Jayla's the one that's kind of hidden it I mean I know he crashed on it but he might yeah. have thought it's just gone yeah I guess mm. so I mean I do like um, Jayla's sort of how well she quite like becomes part of the crew and gets yeah paid she's off, really paid, good paid she earns her. it as well yeah I yeah. think which yeah. is which is important because mm. that know. moment when she thinks Kurt's going to go off and leave her after the rescue mission she's fighting the guy on top of the thing she looks over and thinks he's just going to ride off and then mm. that's when he decides to save her yeah. although that's not how transporters work, is it? Yes. <laughs> they haven't they set up a thing of you need to lock onto each individual person, but they grab Kirk and cause he's holding onto it. No, they've they done it before. Them. Remember in four with uh, Gillian, the whale sub biologist, where she oh, jokes okay. and hugs him, and they he come, they kind of like become, oh yeah, you're touching, you can be weaned, yes, mm. yeah. But, but yeah, I like how the uh, the whole crew in a way is in on this adventure. Like there are no red shirts in a way. It's like if people die, it's just people of the crew. It's not just here's some specific guys who are going because we've always said before, isn't it? Like in some of the films, it's like the crew aren't even needed it's just our call up but on this yes. one they're all involved in the ship crashing that they're nice. all involved well 
all the survivors are all involved in the planet, and even though they're just kind of there to be rescued, it's nice to see so many multicolored people in their shirts on this planet waiting. Feels a bit lost vibe almost. Yeah. Like they're, they're all being around on the island traveling in a big group. This is the pilot to Star Trek Lost. One, <laughs> yeah. one, one of which, yeah, one random crew member, you know, ch- uh, chosen by Kirk to you know to to hide the um, yeah. Headcrab Ar- lady. Yeah, headcrab yeah. lady. Yeah. yeah. Creepy. Yeah. <laughs> Creepy, but cool. Oh, yeah, God, that's really right. weird. But, you know, but again, I, this is why this is why I come to a, a, a film called Star Trek Beyond. I, yeah. I want to see really cool stuff that I haven't seen in, in like, Fast and Furious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> I want my yeah, action like, uh, fix, and I want and I want my alien well, I think, chicks. I yeah. think, yeah, I mean, the action is, is terrific. I mean, if people have any problem with the bike scene, actually? Because it was not... No, like, like, not at all. Yeah. Apart from that dodgy bit yeah, of CG. Yeah. I mean, they, like, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I was quite happy they reused the Total Recall, like, fit a device of, like, you know, holographic projections, that kind of thing. That just, that caused the chaos. It just felt like re-reveling in the sort of, like, yeah. the, the chaos of the situation. Mm. He puts up the, the sort of wall as well. Um, I feel like a good, good sequence, but topped by the uh, amazing kind of, like, battle at the, at the Yorktown, which, with that bit where Kirk, this is his idea, he works out that if they go underneath the waves and come up, they can stop them before they get there. And when you get mm-hmm. that great shot of the, what's the name of the ship again? Franklin. Franklin coming out of the wave and they will pin into mm. it. That was uh, brilliant. I is this where there's Beastie Boys on the soundtrack? No, but that's just, like, no, before this before. bit. Uh, yeah, we've got to talk about that. Which is amazing. I love how divisive this is for, like, proper Trekkies, because for me, I fucking love it. Well, yeah. <laughs> The real, pro- the real proper Trekkies are the fucking Beastie Boys themselves yeah. as we know so like you know Beastie Boys massive fans of Star Trek if you're mm-hmm. a fan of the Beastie Boys you'll know that there's lots of Star Trek infused lyrics within their songs like a pinch on the neck from Mr. Spuck there we go. Been in there, and um, that's uh, all, all the Klingons in the fucking head. house like, um, <laughs> but this using it here as not only a callback to that to their fandom but and also the to the movie. first JJ movie yeah. works really well I think I think it's a really cool moment uh, I think it's clever the way they actually weave it into the plot mm-hmm. yeah. and, and when they yeah. get loud with the whole speakers he does the scream like, and that's the yeah, best, cause, that's cause the best that's, moment to do it like that when the whole Yorktown bass starts playing as well that's so hilarious because that bit in the song where it, everything else cuts out apart from the bass going boom 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 boom, boom, boom and then it goes yeah it's with Greg Gunberg isn't it going like do we have the transmission <laughs> and when it kicks off with Kirk saying let's make some noise which is in itself a Beastie Boys although what he should have said of course is was <laughs> <laughs> which would have been amazing yeah. but yeah I, 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 I and uh, yeah so. and some of the great moments of humour in this like with um, you know is, is this classical music doctor like yeah, oh, yeah. yeah I believe it is well what I found funny about that is because wasn't it last month where we were talking about some like awful club music playing when uh, Scotty's in a club in yeah. Star this um, and I was saying like why are you guys turning your nose at when he goes oh this is too classical for me I was like what about the awful shit you were listening to last time Scotty yeah. <laughs> let's not forget that yeah I just you know, they haven't attempted trying to hear what like real 24th century music is going to be like uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah I yeah, think yeah, just like it can bring you you know it's a bit like that kind of headwear and uh, demolition man that people like put on and sort of like that's their wet version of sex oh like, yeah you know, music is, music's got to the point where you can just orgasm from listening to it or something like that like, yeah yeah I, I love that element of demolition <laughs> man it's so <laughs> funny <laughs> Amazing. Um, love demolition. Bit, bit, messy, <laughs> bit, bit messy in the club, though, I imagine. Like, <laughs> yeah, uh, right. Um, so, this whole climax 
section. This anti-grav fight's really cool. There's not much for anyone else to do at this point, though. So all, all what we've said about the crew being really involved, by this point, it's kind of the Kirk show, isn't it? Everyone else is just on the ship, not yeah, really. He would, be, it, he would be sucked into space. It went for Kirk and... That's true. They save him at the end. Then. And as, you, as usual, point. this kind of thing needs to happen by the look of it. He needs to be the one to go into the radioactive chamber and do the thing. Because, yeah, he's the, he's the action you know poster boy for, for these three films yeah and it's nice to see him take that role in this in this film it is because I also think Pine does it very very well yeah um, he does you know he can take like like maybe not as good as Harrison Ford but like he he's, it's good because he can take a punch and he looks like he is struggling which yeah. is what he, you want to see out of a, yeah. out of a he's uh, got good star. getting battered face yeah and I mean, this I, is Kirk of old I fighting the Gorn and all that kind I, I of stuff I do love that he has a black eye in the last scene in the in the bar as well like he's properly battered up still yeah, 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 like, yeah, yeah. I mean none of this technology can get rid of his black eye well, <laughs> you, should, you, could, you, could, you could do internal trauma with like a, you know 100 years old like <laughs> medical equipment but you can't get rid of his black eye I like that <laughs> <laughs> he, should have tried, he should have tried fighting Idris Selber at full strength. It'd be a lot more bad than that. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it would have been an unfair fight otherwise. Um, but yeah, of course, uh, yeah, and Kirk gets a really uh, lovely line um, during that last fight, which is a real standout. Better to die saving lives. Yeah. yeah. Than to live taking them so memorable, I had to look back on my notes. <laughs> well, he also has that line earlier on where they're going into the nebula, like you know, there's no such thing as the unknown, just the temporarily hidden. Mm. Nice yeah, yeah, good. yeah. No, like I said, I think it's his best film in the role. I really do. Um, we we're kind of getting towards the end of the movie now, and obviously we come up to. Uh, another sort of tribute and one thing I want to ask you guys because I wasn't 100% is this something that was kind of did they go back after he died when he goes to absent friends and immediately we cut to see Chekhov raising his glass I imagine that's probably put in that way yeah, yeah I, mean, I, mean, got a thing. I don't know if you're going to go on to say this but like um, I just I, I how, how many times has that previously been said? I know, I know it's been said in um, by uh, Picard when Data died mm. to absent friends, and I, and it was in. Um, uh, it's not free for Spock. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, where, I wonder why that's why that's in there. Yeah. Why that why that why that was shot to begin with? Well, because of all the crew they've lost. Yeah. They've because lost, because of all the crew. Because yeah. that's yeah. yeah. I mean, that, again, that's kind of that's all. That's a bit weird. Am I, it's, it's never shown really. Because am I to believe that like all the rest of the people, uh, the crew that were that were on the Enterprise, everyone that survived, they're in the back of the um, Franklin. Franklin. Yeah. I think holding he... on for dear life. <laughs> <laughs> like it's just kind of. I remember. I, I remember. Like, there's there's a bit of ADR of like. Um, yeah. No. Idea, but yeah. Uh, just a kind of off screen. Um, yeah. Via, via the the comlink of. Like, oh yeah. I, I could. I could do with some uh, proper medical equipment back here, but we're all tucked in. Like. Oh yeah, how many people are holding uh, on? Yeah, you yeah. don't see much of the, the Franklin to get the sense of the scales. Like there could yeah. be, there needs to be a lot of space. Because it feels like it's just them. Yeah, on the yes. bridge. Yeah, that's, usual, and that's yeah. my and that's my problem. You know, it's the unclearness of these kind of moments yeah, that's that, true. that do make for bad, sometimes bad directing. It's kind of like, oh right, I didn't get a full sense of either scale or people involved or like, yeah. you know, you, you just go. I oh. would love to have had one shot of the cargo bay of everybody just like holding <laughs> on their life, like all the crew members when they go and off the cliff. Yeah, yeah. you go off the cliff, and just one person throwing up would have been hilarious. Because <laughs> like, they have that in the Master Commander where they're going round the hall, and then like, you just get to shot below. Dex, you just go, 
like you know, yeah, yeah. yeah. and it's like that's great. You didn't need to know I, what everyone's going I, through. I always, one time. Yeah, I always yeah. want Zulu just yeah, Zulu over the comm just to say, oh, just to you, what? Like, how many do you think? There were like 50, 60 people. Yeah, you always want him to say, oh, by the way, we're gonna do, if it's all right with everyone, we're gonna try something really, really stupid. We're gonna fly off a cliff now. Yeah, <laughs> just, I think it's like I think it would have been really you okay with that. Like, yeah. um, you know, he goes, what's going on up there? It's like, um, just a normal takeoff. Like, yeah. it's gonna be fine. <laughs> uh, there's no windows down here for no, yeah. no, no apparent reason. Uh, but yeah, because it is like I would have think the odds are they're gonna die. Yeah. Um, so I think it's like mm. might as well leave a few behind. Yeah. It's like it's you have an option. You can even come here with us on this pretty much ridiculous takeoff. Yeah. It's, I mean, just don't stand behind the ship though, because you will get incinerated. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's just it's just one of the, the reason I just kind of bring it up is it, again it's just just from film narrative point of view you, that handful of people on the bridge you know they are the you know, they are the the daring you know the the daring crew uh, yeah. you know un- underneath um, yeah. Kirk's command if they're gonna go and do something stupid and crazy they're all kind of like a group of friends they're all good for it but like if there's 300 people in the back as yeah. well yeah all I think on minimum wage we do yeah. on minimum wage <laughs> yeah it's, it kind of makes it a different scenario but yeah. you don't but you never see it so you never think about mm. it when you're watching the movie I, I also think there needs to be a cut of this where Pierce Brosnan at the controls like pulling up the stick like you know, yeah. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was one of my notes. They did, they did the classic fake takeoff cliche of like, yeah. oh no, yeah. oh there they are. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah and like there was a, there was a bit of a groan in the cinema. Yeah. Like, at least yeah, it was when quite that happened sure. because yeah. that I think we've seen that at least three times, four times in this <laughs> franchise yeah. now. And so, yeah. Oh, yeah. And if anyone does that again in a, you know in, in anything other than a, in a Roland Emmerich film, then you're gonna think like, why are you doing this? Yeah. It's, it's like the it's like the um, ghost in the mirror when you close or person oh, in the yeah. mirror when you close the mirror yeah. kind of thing. But they kind of did the kind of Enterprise falling out of sight and then raising up like in the last one. That's know, what I mean. Yeah, yeah it's, you know, it's kind of been done yeah. again. So. Yeah. Yeah, but I think we're down to ready for scores. I think. Yeah, scores? I think we're yeah, I think we're certainly getting yeah. there. Um, so guys, let's uh, go from you, Tom. What we usually do with these is we score it out of ten to the decimal point. Uh, so you can use decimal <laughs> points if you feel the need to. So before I mark it out of ten, I just I want to know uh, just 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 a couple of questions. Is is there anything? Is this out of ten as a Trek film? No, just add to well, well, I mean, your own yeah. pop POV on it, but I, I'd say yeah. just add to we're, 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 we're getting scores down and mm. comparing everything because that's yeah. what we're doing. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. I think I always say out of just films in general, because mm. when we started this, we had, they were it, just films. Matt had nothing to yeah. compare it to. We're viewing them more as movies rather than Star Trek films. I would probably, I would probably give it a seven on the nose. Seven um, on the nose. Yeah, uh, and the reason why is because it's. I think it's even though I uh, okay, and this is the controversial, but like the, the previous film uh, I saw uh, Into Darkness, I saw in IMAX, and when I saw it the first time, it was so. Even though it fell apart when you walked out and started yeah. thinking about it, it was such a it was such an entertaining, you know, palm sweaty kind of rip roaring ride, you know. It, it was literally it what was, it said on the back of that DVD. It's, it's exactly what it said on the, on the, on the back cover. Um, yeah, what I'm getting at is that, yeah, it, you compare it to it. This is a smarter film, and I enjoyed it more, but for different reasons. You know, it was, mm-hmm. it was, it was smarter. You cared more. There was more, there seemed to be just more love and attention paid to the characters. Mm-hmm. And for that, I will, yeah, for, as an example, if I gave that previous song a, like a four or a five, I will give this one a seven on the nose it's not it's not a masterpiece I think I've deducted at least at least a point and a half 
to because of the the unfortunate use of the villain and, and the general kind of setup mm-hmm. in in his camp. But like I I enjoyed the heck out of this film. So yeah, I I actually that's a very proud seven. Okay, okay, Paul. Oh, I'm, yeah, I'm gonna be very close to this one, right? Six point eight. I okay. feel like, and again, it's the it's the villain because I think. Uh, this one I really got sense first time since Star Trek 09 where I feel like the characters have the time, room to breathe and have a chance to interact you know there's lots mm. of lovely moments between them with um, Spock and McCoy particularly of course I care Leonard I always assumed my respect for you was clear the dialogue we have had across the years has it's always okay, Spock you don't have to say it you know, moments like that when they're about to die I feel like you know they feel earned in this film and it's and it makes the stakes a bit higher. I do feel like I want to spend more time with this thing. Really, I feel like with a bit more screen time, even for Elba, to sort of you know elaborate on his schemes and kind of where he's coming from would have served it better. So it's almost like it feels about ten minutes too short. Where they could have made cuts elsewhere, but I feel you know they just need to be a bit more in that middle act to mm. kind of make it more more sense. Um, so yeah, full. It's it's a good return to form. I feel um, it's. I say it's weird because I gave like the last one a seven, but I mm. thought, but that was just because it, it was it was very a strong piece. But it's just for this one, I feel like it's just a good standard film. It doesn't feel like it's special. It's not a front runner, but it certainly just gets enough right to be better than average. Mm. It's a shame it's kind of not you know Star Trek's not like a like a television show or something. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, more more time with yeah. characters and ideas. Yeah. I don't well, know. I think it's these these, these iterations of the characters. I feel like that's what I'm saying because we know they're slightly different, and I feel like that's mm. what we want more time with. Um, yeah. Okay, Matt. Yeah, I feel very much the same way. Like, um, I think this one's very much one of the most throwaway ones but also one of the most fun and in that sense it, it is like an episode of the show like it's, that's the, the main thing people said about it and in that sense it is because it's kind of very standalone it's not kind of tied to much we're distancing ourselves from the reboot now even though it is still harking back to some of the things that maybe should have dropped um, yeah whole it, it's very much a film in three parts and I feel the second act as Paul says is kind of rushed and more time there would have boosted it but for all its little knockdowns it doesn't really affect my enjoyment of it as much as say Into Darkness and um, and so yeah I'm giving it a 7.8 which is pretty high it probably wouldn't be that high but I gave Into Darkness a 7.6 I want it to be above that okay. <laughs> so I probably went too high on that one but even saying that it's one of the ones I could easily watch again and again it does feel very much like a comfort film and the extra character world Jail is a great addition and Kroll had a lot of promise and he does just enough to kind of get it by and um, anything with excessive BC boys is an extra half point <laughs> yeah, of course of course um, yeah for me uh, it's it's better than in Starkness um, because I think it doesn't suffer from as huge a problems as Into Darkness does mm. uh, that kind of drag it down um, I think that you know, yet yeah, it's a fun film. Uh, like you say, it kind of feels, if anything, feels the most like kind of classic Star Trek of, of, the, of these three. Yeah. JJ, uh, you know, I don't think we kind of stress enough really that JJ is still heavily involved in this film, um, producing and such. Um, but yeah, um, the problems I have 
the the big one is the villain. Um, you know, I think that's a real missed opportunity there. I think Ishselba could have been a great villain if given the opportunity. Um, and obviously, there's the Sulu thing, which I had an issue with. But in general, I think it's a it's a fun watch. Um, there's good character work. Uh, and I think one thing we didn't mention actually, which I just want to draw back to, which I found quite funny, is the continuing soap opera of Spock and Uhura. Oh, yeah. Um, in this, mm. which I found quite funny, we get a return to. Spock, of course, wanting to make the ultimate sacrifice and carry on uh, Ambassador Spock's good work in trying to repopulate the Pokemon race, yeah. which, which I found very, very funny and very odd. And this idea of just kind of, it just said, Sorry, baby, I need to uh, go and vote with <laughs> my people. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I found that very uh, amusing. So that's all quite fun. And, and, and McCoy pointing out like the tracking device yeah. on his girlfriend. Your girlfriend yeah, oh my god, that, I mean, that is. It's one of those things where obviously it's, it's meant to be kind of played off as funny. It, it's one of those things, is, is this funny? Or is this actually incredibly creepy? That's, that's the main thing I remember, by the way, from, from, from that, you know, just that thread of, of the relationship kind of thing. Because it's, it is smart and funny sci-fi screenwriting like because yeah, yeah, it, yeah. it directly affects the characters and their relationships yeah, it's, and it's yeah, funny yeah, yeah, yeah. and you're getting a chance to see like Spock look really kind of like oh that was not my intention like you know it just, it, <laughs> yes and he did that little eyebrow right, yeah. rise I think they just stuck as a standalone bit in the trailer you know it's just yeah. like Moment. he's like yeah, yeah you bet I am using it as a tracking <laughs> device <laughs> but that's the thing there is lots of good character work yeah. in this I mean I think that's the main kind of shining thing about the film is that there's lots of good character work I think there's lots of lovely visual effects. Um, yeah, the end credits are really nice, mm. really pretty. Uh, and then, of course, you get the very touching uh, tributes yeah. to Nimoy and Anton as well at the end for Anton. Beastie Boys, obviously, that's a big one. So I think it's a, I think it's a fun movie. And, and Rihanna. Oh, oh yeah, we get Rihanna at the end, of mm. course. Um, I mean, this is really far buried down in the credits, isn't it? This is an original song written by Rihanna Sledgehammer. It's yeah. called. Um, and it's one it, kind of a return to something that doesn't really happen anymore. It feels you like go, you two hold me from or <laughs> Gotham City. Yeah, exactly. Whenever I think of those written for credit songs, I always think of those two Batman. Yeah. <laughs> and I think, I, I, think it's a, I think it's a great credit song. I think it, it has that kind of like right yeah, speed, yeah, for like yeah. a kind of like a ballady kind of thing. Like, um, yeah. Um, so yeah, not, I don't really think it's very Star Trek, but I do like the fact that there's a we're returning to credit songs. I think yeah, that'd be good yeah, yeah, yeah. for the film. I, like, I can't. It's good actually. I can't actually get it out of my head. And I've so often I kind of it's a it's a little bit of an earworm. The um the, the, the lyrics. Well, set, well, set but the, eel, it uh, is very yeah. it is very like oh okay yeah fine we'll have a Rihanna song at the end yeah well that'll help that'll help sell it. But actually the lyrics are you know. They, it's kind of it's it's nice that it's uplifting in the yeah, same way mm. that the movie is, is itself. Well, yeah, like I mean, the characters are hitting a wall professionally and emotionally, aren't they? Like yeah. at the point of the film, and then yeah. the, 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 the so I'm going to punch my way out of this, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> which which Kirk does. Yeah, she <laughs> yeah. always does. Um, but yeah, lots of good character work. Um, definitely Pine's best film as Kirk. And yeah, I think overall, I think it's a fun, fun movie. Uh, I do agree with Brubs that it's maybe slightly throwaway. 
Um, but you know, I came away with a, a better feeling about it than I did than in Starnet, so I'm mm. gonna give it a seven point three. Yeah, I really think is I didn't watch it that long ago, so it's, this is my third viewing and I feel like it wasn't a chore actually. Once mm. I got into it, I was like, I'm really enjoying this ride again and I uh, that's a good sign this is gonna bed in it's one mm. of the ones I'd maybe revisit. It's a ride, isn't it? That's exactly yeah. it. Yeah. Mm. I, I, I think that's the thing, it just I wish it would kind of like it feels a bit eighties adventure. And I think it's the most close to the original series, mm. even more than the original series crew film because they did they kind of felt very cinematic yes a different, did, yeah. a different tone only the Voyage Home came a bit closer to some of the kind of comedy so I think this is actually on screen the closest we've got mm. to the kitschy colourful 60s version yes I agree and yeah. uh, you know and that adventure being stuck mm. on a planet you know that kind of thing happened quite a lot but only with maybe four yeah. or five people not the entire crew and having so fist fights with monsters that, on a rocky planet yeah that, this is your kind of like big screen like ex extrapolation of like that 60s idea that happened quite a few times being stranded with a shuttlecraft that crashed mm-hmm. and you know a villain's just over a few rocks away you know the rocks are bigger like, this, <laughs> the, you know, bigger I, rocks I do feel like this like really gets that right and that's why I quite enjoy it mm. do you think just a quick question then do you think it's a it's actually maybe a benefit that this film feels a little bit slightly throwaway because the thing is is that do you guys want this? Do you guys want this particular uh, um, like version of uh, you know the the Kelvin universe? Do you want it to continue? Do you want to see like a four, five, six? Oh, I'd like to see another one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'd like to see another one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't yeah. want to see the other one they want to give us right now. No, but sure. I, but I do want another Cause, one because I'm enjoying these actors pl- yes. doing doing these roles so. and um, and yeah and. Yeah, maybe nice to see Jailer on the crew. Just well, like you yeah, know, yeah, Jailer although, very good. Well, there is a vacancy now. now. Uh, oh, I, no, I thought what I was just about to bring up was the fact that oh yeah, they they welcomed um, they welcomed uh, what, what's the what's her name um, Alice Eve's character from the previous film, yeah, yeah. Carol Marcus. Yeah, yeah, they they yeah they welcomed her on the crew. Yeah, did she get sucked sucked uh, out of deck eleven? Um, <laughs> I think like, somebody got sucked. Like this. Is <laughs> <laughs> I was setting you up for that. But this is um, Antoine, yeah. like maybe because he's yeah. like you know the player on board clearly. Oh so, no, no, yeah, yeah, no, I know. But, maybe um, this is the thing they can get rid of both characters. Say like yeah. they went off together. Like, yeah. Uh, like, Marcus was there the whole time and survived somehow. Mm. You just don't, you're just aware of two things. One, the yeah. death of him and the fact, and the other one, the fact that they just didn't want to see him around. Yeah, 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 but yeah. the reason, again, the reason, the reason why I ask, yeah, do you want to see another one? Everything is that you, I don't, I don't think you can have every film in a you know, in a run of just just say for sake of argument six you know six mm-hmm. films uh, you can't have every film be a you know everything everything is at stake you know yes. it's just, you know it, it maybe needs to feel episodic it, yeah. I mean, you need to have these really fun throwaway things because like it can't always be reinventing that's the same story yeah, exactly and I'm that. happy to see yeah. them do it on a slightly lower budget I think this is the thing mm, I think they, yeah. they can do one well they'll, they'll need want. to next time they will need to because you know mm. the other one didn't make as much money. It. Well, I think this is the thing. You Why could not? go back to the characters, and it's mm-hmm. also you know we haven't actually haven't had the Klingons in this Kelvin universe properly. Again with the Klingons. Oh, the Klingons. <laughs> you know we could we haven't had that. This is this is the first time we've actually had a proper kind of like classic mission. You know, away mission away from Earth. Yeah. I felt something again in that vein. You might have the Klingons come into it a little bit. You know, some more of an adventure, more of a quest, maybe. You know, because they are responding to a, a distress call in this one, and having to go after it. You know, it's in a, more of a crisis mode, isn't it? This yes. film. Whereas, you know, we haven't had a mystery one where they're having to go after something, or like Final Frontier. 
would be great to see that done right. <laughs> um, quick stat track. Uh, yeah, made for same budget as in Starkness, 185 million. Unfortunately, didn't do as well at the box office as in Starkness. Um, in Starkness, made 467.4 million. Um, this made 343.5 million. Uh, as we know, um, as we know, of course, uh, blockbusters of this nature need to make double their budget back these days mm. to account for marketing. Uh, so it didn't uh, make double its money back. So very close no, there. But it's still that's not going to have been a profit. No. Going like you know when you especially. Funny enough, to compare it to Justin Lin's previous output, if you look at something like Fast and Furious 6, which is like, you know, insanely profitable film uh, for the budget that's spent on it, like, you know, it's it's not in comparison to that. It doesn't stand up, um, which is why at the moment it would seem another instalment is a bit mm. up in the air. I don't um, know if the Venn diagram between Fast and Furious fans and Star Trek really... Well, exactly. Too much, yeah, maybe. yeah, 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 that's very true. Um, you know, obviously we had... Uh, you know, trade a watch earlier. They yeah. got stinky reception, and such crowded <laughs> summer of ten poles. But critically, it did reasonably well. Rotten Tomatoes have it as an eighty-five percent uh, Metacritic. Uh, Metacritic, uh, sixty out of hundred. So that's not too bad. Yeah, no, it generally right. three stars minimum, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it did okay. And yeah. um, but I just think they just missed a trick with that fiftieth anniversary using that as a real boost because that was such a boost to things like Doctor Who, mm-hmm. to things like um, Skyfall, Bond. Uh, they really utilised that fiftieth anniversary to get some of the biggest publicity and biggest ratings or box office mm-hmm. they've ever had. Going yeah. like you know, and they just probably we forgot to have the meeting that's the, pr- yeah, that's the yeah. problem I mean like you know when, when talking about the yeah Doctor Who and the BBC probably had meetings for years yeah, yeah. how are we going to celebrate yeah. the 50th um, and yeah. it was very smartly done stumped, done with Bond to the point where there's even a 50th anniversary logo at the end of the yeah. film yeah. Yeah. but yeah I just think is it again here's a question it, so I mean the crossover between the, the, the films are owned by Paramount um, the the TV series that's CBS, CBS. Division so, of Paramount, which is division. Okay, fine. Yes, Division of Paramount. So it's like, yeah, I I wonder whether or not they they could even have a meeting. I don't know. I, I, you know, mm. you're right though. They, it, it's a shame that it wasn't Star Trek Fever well, it's for, because for that last last summer. They really haven't had a showrunner like that they can stick with since mm. like. Rick Berman back in the next gen era who kind of like oversaw a lot of the stuff you've not you haven't got the equivalent of Michael G. Wilson for the Bond movies and Barbara Broccoli or mm. yeah, the Kevin Feige for mm. Marvel you haven't got this one person who can actually coordinate this mm. there's a lot of disparate divisions over TV and movies That's you know I mean. financing from abroad now it just feels a bit of a muddled kind of like back you know thing and you know I'm, I'm always going to keep shouting on about the fact the home media stuff is not that great quality yeah, yeah, yeah. you know I don't think it is perhaps we could start the petition for the remastering well, it, the same, well, the same thing with like these fucking like Blu-rays, like the, for the new films. Like you actually have to buy two or three different ones to actually get all the things, all the extras and the versions. Right. So you, you, if you buy the 3D one, you don't get a bonus disc. If you buy the 2D one, you have to go to like a shop, particular shop to get a bonus disc. And then uh, in America, there's four different versions of like Star Trek Beyond on Blu-ray, something like that, ridiculous, or Into Darkness. And the only way you can get all the content for say one film like Into Darkness, you'd have to buy it. 3D, 2D, and then the iTunes digital copy to download the commentary track 
they, so they like it's ridiculous. I mean, who are they aiming this Bullshit. at? Like, shit. It's just like you know, there's no you know what is the, what are they rewarding the collector yes. or just the person who actually wants to like just get all the stuff. Damn you, Paramount! Well, it's just stupid. I mean, I think it's like it's really like insulting to like the, the consumer that you, they want you to rinse you for every last penny. Mm. Uh, you have to buy it three different times to just get the full package, which is ridiculous. Mm. And mm. at the same time, like from release, not like. Mm. When it's ten years old, you get this one. It's just yeah. like, oh, you want it all now? Yeah, so buy it all, buddy. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah it just it annoys me, and I think this is like this is killing like you know home media sales. You know, it's all going to go digital eventually. It's just like, oh, just, well, I'm keep I'm keeping the faith. Physical media, let's keep it alive, people. Like yeah. I was very, I was absolutely devastated to find out about Love Film closing uh, recently, which I've been it's been keeping the flame alive for two absent a, friends, a, a catalogue. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> A catalogue of physical kind of media to rent everything after the deaths of all the video rental shops. And like former Blockbuster. employee of Blockbuster. Yeah, I am a former employee of Blockbuster indeed. And, and the um, wreckage. And, uh, <laughs> and I was so heartened to find there is still another big catalogue of is physical another. media on online. If people are sad about the death of Love Film, there is a site called Cinema Paradiso. Uh, which are kind of now flying the flame uh, for this they've got a really big catalogue of films so go check them out let's keep physical media alive people and I think that's the way we're going <laughs> to like, uh, like, uh, can we hang um, on is there a way we can tie this back to the movie nope no, that's fine, that's fine. but it's been a pleasure to have you, Tom. Yeah, thank uh, you. On here, uh, obviously, you're going to come back at some point and talk more about Ambush. But we have some very exciting news. Just to pop this in now, um, the next time you hear from us, we will be interviewing the producer of Star Trek II, Roth Akan. <gasps> wow, Robert Salin. I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name right because we haven't recorded the interview yet, and I will <laughs> ask him when we do <laughs> but that's some very exciting uh, news for us so listen out on the uh, feed actually press subscribe on that iTunes feed and you won't miss the episode when it drops because it'll be a special episode uh, dropping sometime this month so listen out for that it's very exciting and then after listening to it immediately go onto iTunes and give us five stars because we've given you the Robert Salem interview. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're all available on social media, obviously, Facebook, Instagram, yep, yep, yep. Twitter. Uh, go check those out. Follow, follow, follow. Like, like, like. Retweet, retweet, retweet. Spot Tell all your friends. If you're enjoying the podcast and you've got friends who like Star Trek, obviously tell them about the podcast. That would be a good idea, wouldn't it? That's I'm the only it. way we can spread the word. <laughs> um, and we will see you or hear you or we'll speak to you. <laughs> you'll, you'll hear us. You'll hear us soon. <laughs> and we'll sort that out at the end. Guys, bye for me, Paul Wilson. Farewell, Matt Brothers. Uh, farewell from me, Tom Savile. And farewell from me, Liam Nipsey.